Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said. It is football season. NFL football begins today. We will have previews of every single NFL game every single week, unlike any other show that you'll find. There are some great, great shows out there, videos, podcasts, all sorts of different uh, websites and networks that preview football games, but we do it a little differently. In each game, we give you everything. We'll talk about the lines, the total, and how they've moved, injury report, analysis of the game, fantasy and DFS ways to approach the game, and then how we're playing the game and if we're playing the game every single week, every single game right here on That's What G Said. We've previewed every game for you ever since this has been a podcast, and Eric has been along for the ride with us. So we'll start out talking NFL today, then we get into Friday and Saturday and some Sunday racing. Friday, Del Mar best bets. Saturday, Kentucky Downs best bets. Saturday, Louisiana Downs full card. Saturday, Del Mar best bets. Sunday, Louisiana Downs. We finish up with this week in wrestling. Wow, huge news in AEW. Backstage fight. All the champs were stripped of their titles. CM Punk wins. Then he goes crazy in the... Um, in the uh, the scrum after the big pay per view, it has been madness. A couple really good pay per views from the WWE over the weekend. Chad Cooper joins us to talk about everything in a crazy week in wrestling. Whew! When I get tired just doing the preview, you know that we have a lot going on when we talk NFL Friday, Saturday, Sunday racing, and everything happening in wrestling on this episode. Of That's what G said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. At BTV Bets on Twitter, go give them a follow. Eric and I will be hosting some shows for them all throughout the football season. College football show on Friday, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. At BTV Bets on Twitter, we preview the big games for the weekend and dish out some best bets. Then on Sunday morning, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, the Sunday NFL game previews. We go through all the Sunday games. Last-minute information, up-to-date lines, injury, DFS lineups, everything you need in about an hour, hour or so preview show on Sunday morning. It's all free over at BTV. Let's jump right into our NFL Week 1 game previews. Eric joins us, and we're going to talk about the betting lines for each game, the injuries, the major injuries on each side. We'll give some game analysis, how we think it's going to play out, why. Then we'll talk about fantasy players, who you should start or maybe you want to sit in your lineups, players who you might want to use in a DFS, DraftKings lineup. And then we'll finish up how we're playing the game. And after, Eric and I are going to try to pick five games each week that we agree on, just like the Circa contest for the Circa Sports Million, the Super Contest. So we'll discuss each of the games And we'll see if we can agree on five games every week. So some weeks we're going to have to probably sell each other on others. This week we didn't have a tough time agreeing on five. Let's jump right into NFL Week 1. We are here. Week 1 of the NFL season. I love this week. The first couple weeks in particular of the NFL season. We are sports fans. I'm sure all of you who are watching, listening to this are sports fans. Eric's been here with us uh, basically every single week for the last couple of years on that's what G said. But when when football season starts, it's just a little different, Eric. The Saturdays of college football and then the Sundays of NFL football. And in particular, I think with NFL, because it's smaller, 
there's, you know, your 32 teams, everybody sort of knows everybody and what's going on. Now everybody's playing fantasy football and DFS, uh, even people that aren't like serious betters know the lines in some of the games and can talk like basic betting with you when football comes around, it just has a different feel to it. And I, I'm really excited for this week coming up, man. You and I are recording on Wednesday night. Um, a lot of people will probably hear this Thursday and then on into the weekend. How you doing, man? You ready to rock? Here, you know, this is like Christmas Eve. Um, you know, I'm excited. You know, you and I every week have been doing weekly shows for BTV and on your podcast. You know, I feel this is the time we get to see if what we think is going to happen is actually going to happen. Yeah, and this is a fun time because a lot of our predictions and opinions from the offseason – will lead into some of the week one stuff. And then after week one, you don't want to completely overreact, but you have to be ready to call some audibles to make some adjustments. And then after week two and week three, you really have to be ready to say, okay, maybe some things, my opinion was wrong. I got to shake that up, right? You move things on your power rankings. You adjust stuff uh, in your fantasy stuff, you know, but right off the bat, we're sort of coming into this thinking, okay, how are we predicting things in the offseason and looking at uh, at week number one? And we kick things off, Eric, with the uh, the first game of the year on Thursday night. We're actually looking at the lines from our friends over at Betfred Sports. Buffalo Rams in a matchup of two teams that are projected to be two of the best teams in football. If you're looking at any types of power rankings, these two teams are probably in the top five of any of them. Any types of rankings, projections, anything. Now, Buffalo actually opens as a, you know, Buffalo is a favorite in this game. Eric, tell us about the line movement, what we've seen from this, where it's sort of steadying right now. We're seeing it at Buffalo I mean, minus two and a half. This has moved anywhere. It opened up about um, Rams laying one. And now, I mean, it's three and a half point move. It takes a lot, you know, for it to get to that point. Um, the way I look at this game is really simple. Um, you have Sean McVay, you know, Sean McVay, week one. Do you know what his ATS record is, my friend? You're going to tell me. Five and oh. Five and oh. That's not bad. Yes. <laughs> um, that's just something he's done. He's constantly covered. Um, you know, five and oh, you're getting the Super Bowl champions as a dog at home. At home. And you and I, like, this is what you and I do. We love playing small home dogs. I feel this is the side you have to play. Um, we need to remember that the Bills offensive coordinator is gone. Everything's talking about how they want they want to run Allen less and they want to go to more of a zone running scheme, which I think will work out because they did make some improvements on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, any team that's tra- that's changing the way they play, I kind of feel it takes a couple weeks for it to get going in the right direction. You look at the Rams. Okay, fine. Acres isn't hundred percent. You know, you and I have been on that for like a month, month and yeah. a half now. Like Acres isn't going to start. You want Daryl Henderson? Is there really that big going to be that big of a drop off to Daryl? No, Henderson? honestly, no, no. Especially not the way with a- that Acres was playing last year. Like that doesn't concern me as much. So some of the injuries that we do have, sort of overall, Van Jefferson out. Uh, Daniel Hardy was placed on injury reserve for the Rams. Those are some of the main ones. Uh, looks like. Uh, Quentin Lake, Traven Howard, they're out. Uh, Koski, then on the but on the bill side, Tredavious White, big, right? He's, he's out, big. he's big for what they do in the secondary, and so 
he's going to be out for the first at least four games of the season. And what I think will really hurt in this particular matchup is having the top tier talent in the secondary to match up with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, right? Are they going to be able to match up with the both of them? So one player that I'm targeting in this game and a prop that I like in this game, Eric, uh, Allen Robinson and uh, to score a touchdown at plus 160 here. Um, just everything I've read, everything I've heard from Sean McVay it, throughout the last month, month and a half, he's really high on Allen Robinson. He really is excited about what he he can do. I think they're going to have some fun packages and some fun plays drawn up for him, especially deep in in the red zone. And I think if a focus comes on Cooper Cup, you know, if you don't have the type of top tier talent to put on him, and maybe you have to, you know, really shade him and put a couple on him. And then you have Robinson in a situation where he's in one-on-one. I think he's someone that's a really nice uh, target in this game to play, maybe in some props, maybe in a DFS. Um, and I have him in a couple of season wide fantasy leagues that I'll, I'll definitely be starting him in the first couple of weeks and, uh, and thinking that he'll get off to a nice start here. I always do the DFS, the DraftKings Thursday night showdown and my two to be in the, with the captain, yep. or the, the captain spot is either Daryl Henderson or Allen Robinson. I'm going back and forth on who to put in that. I feel it's one of those two. Um, I feel where everyone and their aunts on the Bills, the Bill, everyone on ESPN game day or whatever I saw on Twitter today, picked the Bills to win it all. Bills are kind of a over the, um, what I'm talking about, um, overvalued team. Yep. And if you look at their record last year, all their wins came. Against bad teams. Well, no, all their wins came in, in division. They yeah. really did bad, bad on division. You know, I always like fading the team who won the championship next round. But um, you know, your your buddy Dave. Well, they don't because they don't normally open up as a dog at home like this. No, right? This is a different situation. Normally, your Super Bowl winner comes in laying a few extra points because they're the they're the buzz of the Super Bowl team. Um, you um. I was texting, you know, with, with your buddy, we we're talking about before Dave and, uh, you know, I texted him this thing I'm going to say later about the, um, the trend with people that have lost in the Super Bowl. He ch- texted me that, um, teams after winning the Super Bowl, eight and one straight up last night. So, you know what I mean? And yeah. you're getting a small dog. I mean, I play the two and a half year. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Plus. What's your number? What was the number yeah. that made you jump in? Once it got to two and a half. I yeah, because then you they need to they need to beat him by three. It's a field goal move. Yeah. It is a field goal move. And like when you just kind of look about it, um, who has the best player on the defensive side of the ball? The Rams. Robert, the best two. The best Maybe. two, exactly. Maybe. I mean, Von Miller is pretty good, but I still take Ramsey, you know. And then Bills have made it adamant they do not want to run Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. And he's and- he's said it, they've said it. I mean, like, it's something that and something we need to remember, and I mean, I've talked about it all this time, like schemes matter. When you take, we saw it when the Falcons changed from a zone scheme to a power scheme, and everyone's like, what's going on with Devontae for, for Freeman? He was just running straight ahead. Singletary's never really ran in a power power scheme before. I think it's going to take a little time before the Bills realize, hey, we got to start playing James Cook back here because he, he the, he's a zone runner. We need to give him the ball more. The change in schemes, the change in concept, the change in offensive coordinator, that stuff takes time. Um, you know, the Bills do have a kind of a hard start, hard, 
excuse me, hard start to the season. Maybe we can find a value in a couple weeks taking them, but I like the Rams here. I bet them at plus two and a half. So what Eric and I are going to do every week, we're going to talk about all the games each week. And then at the end of our discussion, we're going to come together and pick five games that we agree on as our, our show bets. Kind of like we're in circa. the Circa. Yeah, like we're in the Super Contest yeah. for Circa yeah. Sports. So, yeah. but what we'll do is, um, if depending on when we record, some weeks when we record, we'll probably be able to look at the actual lines that Circa uh, has just so we can kind of play off of them. This week, whatever lines that we're using, as long as we agree on the same five, that's the concept that we're doing, right? We're just coming together to agree on those same five. And so, what yeah. we'll do is, most weeks, I think we sh- we probably won't have a problem coming together, but we can kind of trade off. If it's ever, you know, maybe we only agree on three this week, you can pick one, I'll pick one. Or, you know, if we agree on four, you can get the advantage, then I'll go advantage. We can kind of go back and forth like that and uh, and just take turns um, and, uh, and and lean that way. So this game, I have a feeling, will be one of the, the five that we come back to. I'm going to mark this down because it feels like we both like uh, like the Rams side in here. Let's just mention a couple other things about this game uh, before we uh, move along here. So for the Bills, the Right side of the offensive line, neither starter has a whole ton of experience. That could be a little bit of a weakness for a Rams defensive front that is pretty talented. And they can they can pick on you. They can make things difficult there for you. Um, Vaughn Miller has mentioned that this game is going to be important to him, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him play well. But just like you said with Josh Allen, it seems like they are going to try to limit Miller's snaps early, right? They want him around late and healthy in the year in the playoffs for a big run there. So does week one really matter for them right now, getting him all amped up? Now let's go on the flip side a little bit with the Rams. Are you at all worried about, you know, losing Miller with their depth? And then are you at all worried about Stafford and some of the things we've heard about maybe him being a little bit sore, banged up, not made a hundred percent, in the train in training camp, Stafford's never been 100. He was. Playing- <laughs> That's a great point. You're a Lions fan. Yeah. You know this, right? This has been forever. The guy's one of the toughest SOBs there is in the league. As long as, <laughs> as, long as it's not like a torn ACL or something. But no, it's, as, as long as it's not something serious, he'll. No, be you're out. right. It's true. That's a great point. Um, this is this isn't new to him, right? Vertical. He's not a rookie who's never played with pain before. It's not really a vertical passing game. Everything is like you know dip dunk you know, short pass. It's not dip dunk, but it's like short passing everything yep. under 15 yards, you know, set up the run a little bit. Um, in terms of Von Miller, it's one of those things like Aaron Donald just makes everybody better. So yeah. I just, as now if you lost Aaron Donald, that's a completely different, completely different nugget we're talking about, but they picked up Bobby Wagner who can do more than Von Miller so, Wagner so, can rush. He can drop back. He can stop the run. Some things that, You'll hear me and Eric reference. I I like to reference PFF Pro Football Focus a lot or uh, Football Outsiders. There are a couple of good sites that you can use for some metrics and rankings and things like that. Um, so for the the Rams with Donald, the five highest graded defensive seasons in the NFL since Aaron Donald was drafted in 2014. So if you go from 2014 and you look at take the last eight years and pick the five highest rankings that any player has had in any individual year Aaron Donald 2018 Aaron Donald 2017 Aaron Donald 2020 Aaron Donald 2019 Aaron Donald 2021 
Those are the five best in that stretch. It's absolutely insane what he's able to do. And and it's so he's so good and he's so much better than everyone else that, like you said, it opens things up for everyone. Guys like Leonard Floyd um, should be able to really tee off and have a nice time here. So, um, yeah, Eileen Rams in this spot, especially with the way the number's been moving a little bit. These are two good football teams, right? So in this situation, if you're telling me you're going to be giving me the home team with some points here, with basically a field goal points here at home, I'm going to take that. And I have no issue at all with the money line. If you want to play this game straight up, it's up to plus 115 now on here on Betfred that we're looking at. So, yeah, I'm leaning, um, at, you know, at two and a half. It's nice because the field goal makes make sure that they have to beat you by three there. It's going to go to three. I mean, yeah, I don't either. I don't think it'll get to three. So I think things there. I mean, there's certain there's a couple games that it's just the hair below a key number. Because these books aren't dumb. They know, like, once they hang, like, a three or um, we'll get to the game. It's it's a later game. Hang a seven on a certain game. It's just going to be absolutely pounded by the sharp players. So, yeah, it's going to stay at two and a half. Just lock in the two and a half and then, you know, thank Gino and I next week. And then overall, um, for fantasy DFS stuff, you mentioned that uh, Allen Robinson, Daryl Henderson would be some of your targets in this game. And it seems like overall this year, we we were super impressed with what Josh Allen did last year, back-to-back leading score as a quarterback in fantasy points overall. But it's hard not to ignore some of the things they've said. And if you just think about it with him, I could see them absolutely taking off the, you know, the handcuffs come playoff time. Right. And then you let him do whatever. Then you let him run and you go, yeah, you go crazy. Time, you let him do that. Now, no. You know, it's just... not week one and get, get all banged up, especially the first couple of weeks of the year. So I'm not quite as high on him week to week. And then also, too, like if you have him season wide, if this team is really good, like people think, and they're beating people up a lot, then is he going to be, you know, valuable late in games are they up big where they're you know running the clock out and you're not even needing josh allen to you know to throw for you know 300 plus yards and multiple touchdowns just an an idea moving forward anything else you want to mention in this game bills rams i would lean under if you can find a 52 and a half but at 52 i wouldn't do it let's move to the next game eric we're going to move to sunday morning and we're going to talk about the Ravens and the Jets. So the Ravens are at the Jets. This game has now moved up to seven. Ravens are a seven-point favorite on the road. Now, this number has probably crept up a little bit because the Jets it have been... At, it opened up at four and a half. Four and a half, right? And it's it's all the way up to seven because we found out recently that it will for sure be Joe Flacco starting. And the Jets have also had some issues with their offensive line, some injuries and some shuffling around. So just not a whole lot of positive for a young team that seems like they have a lot more talent this year, Eric. But the one note that I I had that I thought was something that could hurt this team early in the year, they're going to have probably 13 starters that are either a rookie or a second-year player. 13. That's a lot. That's a lot of young young players on a team with a young coach with a quarterback, Joe Flacco, that is well past his prime and an offensive line that's banged up and major issues. Beckton got hurt. They had to move Fant to right tackle where he's not quite as good. I just, I I understand why the number is moving, right? Like this is a public number that people are going to lay on and like, 
if you're targeting a DFS or something like that this weekend, a lot of people are probably going to be on the Ravens defense, right? This is a team that they're going to have a nice defensive front right now. And they're going to be playing against a bad offensive line and Flacco. Like they could be in line for at least a couple sacks in a turnover here. I'm not playing this game at at seven after the movement of the number. I can understand why the number's moving this way, though. Yeah, I mean it. It makes sense. I mean, you know, we gave out Ravens at twenty to one, like way yeah. earlier. You and I were both high. We need to remember that this team eleven after eleven games, they were the best team in the NFL last year. And then what happened? Lamar went down, and their season just crashed down. Um. There's a big movement. I lost two games in overtime and four games by two or less, two points or less last year also, even Uh, with all the injuries they were dealing with. You know, you got Lamar playing for a contract. There's there's just a lot of stuff to like about this Ravens team. They've improved. They're back four to right now going to be the best. We need to remember they were getting people from Walmart to come and play. Secondary, corners. Yeah, so in like important positions. This is a big thing. Um, we need to make we need to make sure we understand that, and we need to make sure that um, you know, we respect what is going, what happened last year. We're in their position. I'll be honest. I'm not sold in this Jet staff with uh Solid. the younger Lafleur calling plays. I really don't think he does that good of a job. I'll be utterly honest. Um, in terms of the um defense, um. You know what is Celine supposed to be a uh, offensive? Saul is supposed to be an offensive genius and a defensive genius. Defensive de- genius. Yeah. Excuse me. And now you can't stop you, like, it. You can't stop anybody. Like it. I don't know. It just. I don't feel good about it, and we'll probably end up having to play this team in a few weeks if they get beat up early in the year because their lines will be super inflated. But well, Wilson's right, out for the first four. Yeah, um, and I just like. I cannot envision uh, with the bad offensive line, Flacco is literally the last quarterback you would want behind an offensive line like that. You'd rather have someone like a Mariota or who can at least move their legs a little bit, right? Like someone that can move around a little bit and at least escape some sacks. But this guy could get put down a lot in these games early on. It's it's a tough situation for him um, to be in. I, um, there is, I'm trying to look it up right now, but of course I'm locked out of my stupid DraftKings account. Um, what are you looking up? Or for the... How much Kenyon Drake is. Okay, yeah, so it's Kenyon Drake and it's it's uh, Mike Davis, right? Mike Davis is someone that you and I last year thought was going to be in a great situation in Atlanta, and he was just miserable. He was awful last year. So Kenyon Drake comes in. He's someone that, you know... It, it may tip their hand a little bit that they're more worried about J.K. Dobbins that they go out and get someone like Kenyon Drake. Um, so you think he's someone that could be, you know, a possibility? Well, I mean, Millionaire Maker is, you know, the Millionaire Maker, dude. And yeah. you got to find these, like, guys that are just kind of just out of the blue. And, 5,000? Yeah, and I'm trying to find out he's, what... He's 5,000. Oh, Drake's five thousand. Yeah, Kenyon Drake's five thousand in the Millie Maker on uh, on DraftKings on what sat- is on um, what's Mike Davis? Mike Davis is forty four hundred. See, I'd lean Mike Davis there. Yeah, you know, so those I, are the two options for like everyone's going to pivot to Kenyon Drake. 
I'll take Mike Davis. Um, and then Mike Davis rushing props would be something I'd be interested in too. Just because if this is a big game, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going to go to the person that's been there a while. I'm pulling up right now. Rushing receiving props. They don't have anything yet listed for, for the, um for the Ravens, but yeah, I'd be interested in Mike. Um, I'd be interested in some Mike Davis props. For okay. Sure. So yeah. Cause Dobbins, as we're talking on Wednesday, he's looks like he's out, right? Yeah. He's not going to play. Okay. And other major injuries for them to mention. I mean, that's the important one as far as fantasy is concerned. Gus Edwards is out. So they're both out. Marcus Peters uh, was activated off the, the PUP list. So he's, you know, able to come back. Um, and then for the jets, Let's see, try to mention all these injuries that are on uh, as of a Wednesday night for the Jets. We have the fan, you know, some of their offensive line questionable, a little bit banged up, which is not great, right? Three of their offensive linemen, Fant, McDermott, and Brown, not 100% healthy. Zach Wilson's going to be out for a little bit. Makai Becton, he's on injured reserve. Uh, another one of their offenses tackle was placed on, uh, was, was out for a while. So their offensive line situation, Eric is bad. Like it's pretty bad over there bad. right now for the jets. Um, any other final thoughts on Ravens jets, how you're looking to attack? I mean, I'm, I'm higher this year. I think on Lamar overall in fantasy than you, I have him in a, a league or two. And I think maybe even like early Lamar too. It's just, it's went so early. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, no, I know. I know. And in DFS, maybe in the first couple, you want to, maybe you don't have to spend up all that much, but he's like 7,000. He's like 7,300, I think, in, in week one. How, how would you feel about um, Ravens and was it Eliminator? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A survival, survivor, survivor, and Eliminator pool. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably going to be a very popular selection for uh, a lot. But don't forget, it is the, uh, the Joe Flacco revenge game. It is right. So, so there's that. Um, Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's move along and get to, Oh, it's your boy, your boy. Next. It's the Baker bowl. I hate it. I Baker Mayfield bowl. I hate it. And so what are, tell us about the movement in this number what we've seen. Where's it been dancing around? Like it opened up at four. And then now with the Deshaun news, it's obviously down to the Panthers who were getting four all the way down to minus one and a half with Brissett playing um, playing quarterback for the Browns. I look at it like this. Um, I locked in the Panthers at minus um, uh, at pick them minus okay. one. Um, anything, yeah, anything Two and under, like, like anything under three. I'm I still leaning Carolina. I lean Carolina. We need to remember this. They have a great front seven, the Panthers do. Their weakness is in the back four. Is Jacoby Brissett the guy that's going to be able to take advantage of the back four? I don't think so. I don't trust Brissett. Hypothetically, like even if they had a like a Davis Mills or, you know, a Carson Wentz or even a Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd have more faith in the Browns offense to exploit the back four. But with Brissett back there, who's showing he is what he is, he's not going to be able to take advantage of the holes in the back four. Mayfield, he knows Miles Garrett's tendencies. He knows 
uh, Clowney's tendencies. He knows. In the middle of the, uh, the, the big, one of their weaknesses, defensive tackle, right? They're not that strong. Like they don't seem like they're going to be great against the run, which could be a major positive in this game for just how Carolina wants to lean, right? Like they want to be a run team. I don't think they, they want to be a flashy team. They want to lean on a defense that has some really high upside talent and they'd love to, you know, run the ball behind McCaffrey and, you know, have Baker make some plays here and there. I think they just sort of match up pretty well with, with the Browns in this yeah, game. And I mean, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr., DJ Moore, Rashad Higgins, and they just traded for LaVisca Chenault. This is a legit wide receiver group that they have in Carolina. They're running the zone scheme, um, you know, with the, the zone scheme. First two years, um, uh, McCaffrey was averaging over five yards a carry. Uh, ben McAdoo is offensive line, offensive coordinator. He likes to play slow. I was hoping this number was going to be in the 45 range. 45 range, I would have been all over this under. 42, this is kind of a dead zone for me, so no investment there. Uh, I, like, I, I picked the Panthers at minus 115. I feel if you play DFS this week, you absolutely have to have Mayfield in a lineup. Yeah, and they had a, a like a bad offensive line last year. They had some really nice additions to the offensive line this year. They brought in Ekwanu, Bozeman, Corbett. That they should help quite a bit. You mentioned the receiving core; like that's a good group of pass catchers. McCaffrey's a really good pass catcher too. Overall. I, I think in, in early in the season, their schedule is kind of soft and, and, and a bit fun. You're going to be playing the bake man this year a little bit. You're going to be cooking yeah. some stuff up with your boy, Baker Mayfield. I love this. Now, how about this one? How about? He's only 5,300 on DraftKings. How about Baker plus 700 to score a touchdown? I like that. Right? Like I could see him on a sneak. Or a rollout, right? Like a little, a little rollout when you're down on the end, and and they they want to get Baker in the end zone so he can have that moment, right? I plus seven hundred for an anytime touchdown. That's something that I'm targeting for Bake. He's gonna cook like it up. That. I like that a lot. Okay, looks like Carolina minus one and a half will be one of our plays that uh, that you and I are going to agree on. Also, uh, anything else you want to mention about this game, Carolina? And yeah. Cleveland. Next, the next game, I'm going to need a whole two hours to talk about, though. Okay, this is the game that you've been mentioning for a while. Your boy Davis Mills, Colts, Texans. Tell us about the movement we've seen in this line, Eric. Where does it oh, kind of open up? Half, it's starting to get hit now for the Texans. I. So where I was it before? It was at Texans plus eight and a half. Okay, all the way down to seven. Anything over a tutty, I feel you have to play the Texans. I got invested. I got him at eight and a half. I got him at seven. I got more down on him at seven and a half. And this is my thought process. You know, do you know what me, you, and Frank Wright all have in common? No, I don't. We have the same amount of wins ATS in week one of the NFL season. Really? Frank Wright has never covered a game week one of the NFL season. He's really four years, never covered a game. That's number one. Number two, um, I got it right here on my little thing. Since 
2018 divisional dogs uh what was it 59 percent ats you know yep pretty good pretty good a pretty good number um i like playing teams that are dogs divisional home over a tutty and i have a hot take frank Wright isn't that good of a coach um you know i just you just kind of look at last year i mean like i don't know if you remember this you and I messaging back and forth when they played the Titans. Like, what is this play calling? Why is oh my god? I, why isn't Jonathan Ta- Jonathan Taylor getting the ball? The last week of the season, you need to come up with a game plan against the Jaguars who just want to get out of Dodge. Like the Jaguars, honestly, just want to get out of Dodge, and you can't even do that. Like, are you like are you kidding? Sorry, it's sixty three percent since two thousand eighteen. Um, and and make and just to piggyback this exact. Uh, one. So if you go even deeper back to 2009, we're looking at NFL week one divisional home dogs, 79.2% ATS, 65.2% straight up. So that would be three games this weekend. Yeah. Atlanta, Houston, and Minnesota. I just feel that this, this is the game. Um, there's always that one, there's always that one game that knocks people out of survivor, right? Last year it was the Steelers beating the bills. <coughs> Excuse me. I think this is the game this year. Their Texans are improved at cornerback and it's going to take a little bit for uh, Michael Pittman is really talented, but he's going to be a number one wide receiver this year. And then after him, there's a lot of question marks. Like they paid Mo Alley Cox. So he may be a guy that's fine in DFS throughout the year, but on in regular football, it, it's going to take them a few weeks to kind of figure out the the lay of the land, right? Everyone's roles. Yeah. And like what Frank Wright likes to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, you know, I, I think Wentz at this at this stage of the career, I think Wentz has a bigger arm throwing the ball downfield than Matt Ryan. Frank Wright likes to use RPO. There's no way in hell Matt Ryan's doing any RPO plays. Um, Lots of positives of about defense. Pierce. Yeah, that we've in heard. Terms, in terms of defense, um, you know, Eberfuse was a good defensive coordinator. You're bringing in Gus Bradley, who I'm not really that big of a fan of. I think their defense could take a step back. The Colts is. Um, in terms of Pierce, the running back, my worry about him is this: he, he never had more than 16 carries at the collegiate level in the game. Is he going to be able to hold up 25, 30 yeah, if you need to? That's my one worry. Another thing is this. It's still going to be a split. We're still going to see Rex Burkhead back there. They're running the same exact offense Davis Mills did. And we need to remember what Lovey Smith likes to do is he likes to limit the possessions in the game, control the clock, run the football, and play good defense. Lovey Smith, anywhere he goes, makes achieve, overachieve. I think it's going to be the same here. I'm going to, I like the Texans. I bet them. At plus eight and a half, I, I bet him at plus seven and a half. Anything over a tutty, I'm invested in. And you know what? I'll probably even sprinkle on the money line a little bit. Yeah, this will be another one that we're both on the same too. I I, I think the number is a little big. I think the Texans are going to be a little better than everyone expects this year. Another guy who just is super under the radar and underappreciated in fantasy is Brandon Cooks. 
you know, like you're in, you're out. He's just super consistent. He's always there. And if you look at his numbers, you're always surprised at how consistent he is. Brandon Cooks is someone I have in a couple leagues and someone that I, I don't mind targeting in uh, in DFS situations. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this Colts team gets better as the year goes on, but they're going to have to figure some things out early in the season. Yeah, I don't think. Right, right is showing this. This is his fifth year doing this. His teams always start slow. They always. It's try. not a coincidence when certain coaches start that way. No, that's just the way that they are. Right, certain coaches can prep their team and get them ready right at a training camp. Other coaches need to, like, as a gambler. Right, for me, I I think I'm better when I have film to watch and things to see and things to numbers to play off of after after week one or week two or week three. I just feel a little bit more confident about how I'm able to to break a game down. Right, some coaches are that way, the same way. Others can get the team ready to play fine through uh through training camp. Anything else you want to mention here, Eric? Is there any big? There's no real, you know, injury uh, stuff to th- to think of or to mention. I mean, you uh, mentioned Cooks. I mean, he's a little overpriced on DraftKings. Um, you know, I just to me, this is the game. You bet the Texans. You know, you just kind of sit back on red zone. You know, wait wait for it to get that Davis Mills touchdown, but you know, I'll take, I'll take the Texans here. Like I said, anything over a tidy I'll sprinkle on the money line. Okay. Let's move to the Jags and the commanders. So Jacksonville at Washington, the game's settling right now around Washington minus two and a half. We just talked about Carson Wentz where he was last year. This is where Carson Wentz is this year, quarterbacking Washington, Jacksonville, Doug Peterson will be coaching. They won't have to deal with the nightmare that is Herb anymore. What have we seen with this line moving around? So, like, I do this live stream every Tuesday night. I had a five-minute just rant on playing bad numbers. If you play the Jaguars here, you're falling into that. It was at four. Why is four a key number? Because if they lose, like, if you get – because if they lose, what is it, 24-28, it's a push. You know, so four is kind of a key number that people forget about. It would dip below four, dip below three. It's at this two and a half. For this it's a bad enough, yeah. Jaguars right now, they kind of seem like that catchy team that all these people are starting to like this year because no urban, the team has talent. Doug Peterson's there. I just have a bad taste in my mouth of the whole thing, how – Peterson's tenure in Philadelphia ended with him tanking that game. I know. I feel I awful. Really I hate that too. I really didn't like that. Um, you know, the commander's defense, the second half of the season, as we talked about, did look a lot better. You're getting Carson Wentz. Um, you know, Wentz. Yeah. I don't like the guy. This is a game. I just don't want to bet. I, I was going to say, I, I don't have a really strong opinion here. Um, here's the thing, Jags, like, they have Antonio Gibson back there. They drafted but, Brian Robinson. To and they did not like Gibson at all. All of the reports were that they love Brian Robinson. And then unfor- sad stuff. The guy got shot. There's that, there's that incident. And, you know, I just. And then now Gibson's elevated sort of by, by default. By default. By default um, elevated. But even last year, he only got 57% of the carries. when he was sh- sharing with J.D. McKissick. I don't know. that Like. There's a positive. There's been some positive buzz about Curtis Samuel. If he's someone that in a DFS situation, you're looking for like a total flyer in an inexpensive situation. There's at least been some positive buzz about him um, coming out of their camp. But we know that uh, Chase Young 
is out and he's going to be hurt for uh, a little while. And they, I mean, can this talented defensive line dominate the way they should? I, I got a weird bad taste in my mouth for both of these teams from last year too. And just like, you know, last year even, but just, I'm not excited and, and willing to jump in right now and play this number or either of these teams, maybe a little, a few things here and there in, in DFS spots, but you know, yeah, I can't. When, you, when you do DFS, you got two options for the daily stuff. Um, you got to pay down somewhere, you know, to the tight end position in this game, Evan Ingram in the Peterson. Yeah. You've been high on him for a while. You know, the, the tight ends always featured. He's only 3,500 on um on dk and then also um i'm trying to logan thomas is 3200 wentz has a history of targeting the tight ends no matter where he's been those are two guys that you know you can take some flyers on or even for them to score a tutty logan thomas is plus 270 evan ingram is plus 280 maybe that's something you can throw a little bit on but that'd be the only thing i do in this game this game yeah, is a million question marks to me Thomas was a limited participant. I practice on Wednesday. So that's a positive. Yeah. Brian Robinson, we mentioned uh, the sad news there and chase young. He's out. Other than that, as far as fantasy is concerned, no real injuries uh, on the other side that should impact the Jags all that much. They brought in a couple different wide receivers, but they're like, nobody's a real one. Christian Kirk by default is going to have to be the number one wide receiver I like Kirk for the season. I got yeah. Fantasy league, me, me too. But he, it just sort of like by vault. I like him more in fantasy than I do in like real a football. for yeah. real football for a team needing a number one, right? He yeah. just by volume is going to be a guy who could be getting a lot of garbage time stuff. So I agree with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a, a problem with. And then Kirk. you got to be careful, like Eddie and is he really built to be a between the tackles back? You know, we saw that with uh Clyde Edwards Alaire. That's my little worry with him. He has, and, and now we know Robinson is actually. Healthy enough from that. Yeah, he might not be ready or or someone you want to invest in all over the place. But as far as in a few weeks, that might put a little pressure on him. You know, if he's not, if if you have a capable back behind him too, to put a little more pressure on him also. So they may have a couple other options there. Yeah, I um, I'm just not like. There's so many games on the board. Why force it? This is just for me. Patriots, Dolphins. So we have uh, the new look. Dolphins with lots of additions here. Tyreek Hill, one of the main ones. They also bring in Chase Edmonds and a couple running backs. They have a really sort of stacked running back room. Also, Mostert in the mix there. You have on the flip side, a Patriots team who sort of overachieved a little bit last year and then they got beat up down the stretch. They don't. They're one of the teams I'm not exactly sure what to do with this year because they're always going to be well coached, you know, but I just don't know how much top tier talent they have on the offensive side of the ball, Eric. That's tough. It's really tough. You don't really know. Like, I think it's going to be Harris. Some people think it's going to be Stevenson. Who's going to be the number one running back. I like Harris more. And I think, it, I I think he's contract a little bit. Year, though. Contract year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, that's the one worry I have both, you know, I did make some bets on, um, Harris over rushing yards to lead the league in rushing. I think there's a little bit of value there. Um, interesting though, you know, I mentioned Pythagorean win total a lot. Um, they won 10 games last year, the Patriots. 
Pythagorean win total was 12.12. So they said they underachieved, actually. So, yeah, like pure Pythagorean win total, they underachieved a little bit. So what's the number been moving around at? It's it at three like, and a half now. Yeah, uh, per action network, it opened up at two and a half. It's moved a point. It's kind of in this dead zone right now. This is another thing, like, I don't understand, like, you know, I, I wouldn't bet this number. No. Maybe, I mean, on bet Fred right now, it is uh, – juice to the over maybe this gets to like to the like 48 i could see myself getting involved in the under going under patriots patriots are just going to run the ball you know we don't really know who's calling the plays as a map bring in Devonte parker right as a another wide receiver really option thing i mean this this is just going to be a team that runs the ball and plays defense um you know you have a rookie head coach going up against bill belichick dolphins they just kind of seem like i'm seeing a lot of people that I respect are starting to come around on the dolphins. And I just don't, I just, maybe it's just my, my, my distrust for Tua. Yeah, no. And that, that could be it. Um, Right. And maybe, maybe things will be, maybe they will be in a situation where things will be a lot easier for Tua or easier early in the regular season. And, and until it gets difficult and you play the better teams in the playoffs. Right. And then when he has to make the throws, can he do that? So Tua last year had a two or excuse me, since 2020. So since the two years that he's been playing, he has a 2.3% big time throw rate of well-placed passes downfield or into tight windows. That's what big time throw is. So tight windows or downfield well-placed 2.3% out of 32 quarterbacks that are qualified since he's been been registering where do you think Tua ranks in that metric toward the bottom 30 30 out of 32 he's just he's got to prove that he can make a big throw you can have all the guy the talented players in the world and they can make it easier on you but there's still going to be times in games against good teams when you're going to have to make big throws I like this team overall better than the Patriots team overall I think they have more talent offensively they should be kind of fun there's just a lot of like it's like a hodgepodge of players on the offensive side now where you're like, hmm, is this gonna work? I'm not sure. I'm I'm intrigued by it, but like you said, I'm I'm not diving in to go play the rookie head coach against Belichick in week one like this either. Nah, I mean two a three and one ATS at home as a favorite. There you so, go. What what uh, is the what would the number that you would maybe be thinking about playing the Patriots? What would it have to be? You know, they have to get up to like four or five. Yeah. I think for me, it'd be five, even closer to six, just cause like the next little bit, it's not, he said after this and four still don't do enough for me. And then after that, yeah. So this is another game where but I mean, I'm not like, all- the, with the way I do stuff, I don't like for me, the max, the max NFL games I bet in a weekend on a Sunday is, is five. Yeah. And- no, I'm the same way. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm. I'm not ever into double digits. I, I got. I got my five locked in, and I. And I'll play. You know, it's, it's this. This is the seven. This isn't anywhere near it. So yeah. If if you know, what's nice is that there are so many different ways to play now. You can play portions of units on big, you know, touchdown scoring props or t- different props that are that are you know plus money and and positive. You don't have to always just play every side of every game. But I'm with you. Even in week one, especially, everyone gets so excited because football's back. 
there's a bunch of college football games on Saturday and there's a bunch on Sunday and they're going to be another game on Monday and then another round of uh, 16 next week. This one isn't one that I'm, uh, I'm all that intrigued by so many early options. on. Like, yeah. Just... No. And one Let's of my move. favorite ones is the next one. Yep. Next okay. Then uh, tell us a little, <laughs> tell us a little about, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Falcons saints. Where has this number been moving? And now it looks like it's around saints minus five and a half with the over under 42 and a half. You know what? It opened up at Saints minus three and a half. It's all the way up to minus five and a half. Um, I don't think it's going to get to six. I locked it in at Falcons plus five and a half. This is that stat we referenced about the divisional home rivals, home dogs. Um, You know, some big news. Uh, The left tackle, Penny, from the um, Saints, going to miss the first four weeks on IR. I think that's a big blow to the offensive line that struggled last year. I like the Saints team a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think the Falcons are live here. Uh, They got Mariota, who can kind of hide the deficiencies in the pass blocking by scrambling around. Great in the RPO. They're going to have a legit running back around there that's going to open up the passing game, open up the running game, thus opening up the play-action pass, which is a huge staple of the Arthur Smith um, game plan. Arthur Smith, when he was in Tennessee – he was like one and two always in play action passing last year with a special teams gadget player as their primary running back. He's going to have an awful season this year. I'm telling everyone Cordell Patterson, every under prop you can get, he's going to have an awful season. Um, They were eighth in play action passing. Um, So this is going to open stuff up more saints. You know, you have a lot of key, you have Thomas who hasn't played football forever, you know, coming back Winston coming back from a leg injury, um, I feel this is just way too big of a number. I feel this number should be close to three. I'm getting, yeah, I agree. At I'm, over three, I think this game is close. Yeah, and I, I may sprinkle a tad on Atlanta just because it's getting up there. And this is the type of team in a week one or two with like a new look running quarterback that might be a little feisty or tough. And then in a few weeks, right? And then and then what you do here is if the Falcons win, this is when we come back play the Saints to make the playoffs next week. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Falcons. They were seven and two in one score games last year. Falcon. The, my thing about the Falcons is this: I feel Arthur Smith. If you, had, I know everyone loves McVay. I know everyone loves Shanahan. I feel, in terms of a person calling a play, I feel Arthur Smith is one of the best in the league because he understands pace. Not many coaches understand pace. Understand like when to play slow, when to play fast. Um, you know, last night on my live stream, I gave out one of my last futures, and it's one of the dirtiest futures I've given out. I played Kyle Pitts to score the most touchdowns at 75 to one. Just because last year it was so the opposite way. He had a thousand yards and what was it, one touchdown? One or touchdown, two? 20% target share, led that led the Falcons at red zone targets. Like I said, the play action passing is gonna open a lot more stuff up. I like Pitts here. I think Pitts is gonna, you know, go off. Um, you know, maybe even getting him 11 to one to score the first tutty of the game, but I'm in the Falcons here. I'm a block of the Falcons in a plus five and a half. Yeah. I I think this game is close. I see new Orleans winning this game by like a field goal. I could absolutely see that. I'm, I think at, at overwards there's value there. So this will probably be another game that you and I decide on for, uh, for the five that we're going to try to come together on. Let's continue along. So a team that you were high on last year and that you kind of like overall this year, Versus your team, the Lions. Did you watch all the hard knocks with the Lions? I have two behind. I need, okay. I need to catch up. 
Okay, so what have we seen on the movement of this number? It's settled right now around four. Eagles are a four-point favorite on the road. It's just kind of settled at four. And the and the reason why is these are both two teams that have buzz. Yeah, we've, no, you're right. We've seen this Eagles thing, um, this Eagles future price. I'm trying to pull it up now. The, 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 the Eagles futures are just dropping. They're just mm-hmm. getting absolutely pounded by futures. Lions, their futures are more just to make the playoffs or the over. I think both these teams make the playoffs. And this is this is the way that I'm looking at this game. A, you have two teams whose identity is to run the ball and play defense. And so what does that mean? Less possessions, yep. you know, because the clock is moving. And you're getting over a field goal at home week one. This is Detroit's first sell, sell, sellout. Since 2017, they're selling standing room only. And, you know, they're buzzy. Like they, like you said, they're, they're on heart. There's just a good energy for this team right now. I think they're pumped up. They feel like the division isn't quite as difficult, isn't quite as tough. They, they have an awesome offensive line. Like their offensive line is really good. So for the Eagles who have a really good offensive line and also a really good defensive line, they shouldn't be able to just pick on the offensive line here. And that's another nice thing that, that hopefully we don't get a bunch of bad turnovers from Detroit, you know, a bunch of pressure and a strip sack because that offensive line should be able to give Goff a lot of time, all the reports and everything that I've read, they've all been really pleased with how Goff has looked early on in camp and he's making the throws. I've never had a problem with Goff in the right situation. He's an accurate quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. He's just not someone who can really carry you and lead you. He's not going right? to, he needs an elite defense to make it to where they are. He needs to be everything around him. Like the Rams had yeah. to get you to the Super Bowl. Um, You know, but like they said, they, they got Swift, they got St. Brown, they have Hawk, they have DJ shark. This team has a lot of weapons for Detroit. Um, You know, Vita, the, the offensive lineman for the lions, he's out a little worried about that, but you know, at the end of the day, I think I also think it's just going to take time for the Eagles to figure out how to properly incorporate AJ Brown. We need to understand that last year, what was up is drop passes and what was down his yards after reception. So may he could be on the incline. Also Eagles completely changed the way they did stuff last year. Now teams have film on them. I could see the lions spot shadowing with a linebacker, just having a linebacker shadow. Um, um, hurts. I like the lions here. You know, I, I bet him at four. These are, this is one of the five I've actually locked in. Yeah. And and this is like the number, right? If this was two and a half, that wouldn't be a number that you'd bet. It would be three and over, right? Yeah. Field goal and over. And I agree. I think, uh, I think that that's where you dive in a game that could again be close. Philly is a team that we both think could be good a little later in the year. Jalen hurts is someone last year. He ranked 14 of 32 quarter balls, uh, quarter balls, quarterbacks and overall uh, pro football focus grade. If he can just improve a little bit on that, that's all, right? They just need him to be a guy that's like right around 10. And that's that's all they need from the, him. Like just a little bit better than average quarterback play, then they'll be fine. But I think this is a fun fun spot for the Lions here to at least keep this game close. So uh, we're both leaning on the Lions, it looks like too. So I don't think we'll have a problem this week getting to uh, our five games. We have a lot of, uh, lot of games that we're going to be playing in common. Let's move along to Pittsburgh Cincy. We have a divisional game here with Cincinnati 
coming off the Super Bowl loss. Cincy is now six and a half point favorite over Pittsburgh, 44 and a half. How have we seen this move around, Eric? Um, I'm sorry, I should have this up. Um, this I literally just said it. It's just been floating at six. Just yep, right, right around here. And this is what I talked about. Why? Because the books know as soon as they hang a seven, it is just going to get absolutely pounded by sharp money. Yeah. Um, that's why it's just lingering at the six and a half. I bet the Steelers plus six and a half. You have Tomlin. Tomlin against the spread as a dog, 66%. Okay, everyone's like, but that's when he had Big Ben. Okay, let's take Big Ben out of it. Tomlin, 81% ATS as a dog without Big Ben as a I like that. Now, do you look at the last Super Bowl, the people that finished the runner-up in the Super Bowl, okay? Last five years, two and three ATS. Last 10 years, four and six ATS. Last 15 years, four and 11 ATS. I kind of feel that this, this is down. You know what I mean? This... I feel I like the addition the Bengals made. Don't get me wrong. Offensive line should be better. But I just kind of feel there's just so many questions around their defense. I felt the defense overachieved. I agree. Their defense, I'm not a big fan of at all. And I'm not high on this Pittsburgh team, right? They're, they have a terrible offensive line. I don't think their defense is going to be as good as other, as a lot of people still think their defense is. But I'm down. I bet unders on both these teams. I think yeah, these teams are going but, to But that's this the way Pittsburgh wants to play early on in a divisional game. I'm at under, I wouldn't play Pittsburgh at this number. If it got to 7 like you said, I would jump on the Pittsburgh side, but around this number, it still seems high to me. Like it still it's seems mean, like it probably should be mean, around 5. Um I bet the 6 and a half. I like the Steelers. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'm dying to jump in on it cuz I do think that there are versions of this game. Like let's say we simulate this game a bunch of ways, right? There are definitely versions of this game where Cincinnati's playmakers are just too much. And and Pittsburgh doesn't have that kind of offensive playmaking to keep up with them. But you know, if this game is played over and over again, Tomlin knows them a little bit. And I, I think it's, I don't think this is a double digit point, double digit game. Playmakers are getting a little, I think that the issue with the Steelers, it's no, it's the offensive line. Yeah, you, you look. I mean, you have Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Pickett's. Um, they got some good playmakers. The issue, obviously, is the offensive line. You have Mitch Trubisky back there. Say what you want about Mitch Trubisky, he gets flack just because the Bears scouting room didn't see it with Patrick Mahomes, and he was picked that high. You know, three years as a starter, two playoff appearances, ain't that bad. Um, also on top of that, you know, you got bad coaching from Matt Nagy, um, the way Canada wants to do it, RPOs, pistol, uh, play action passing. I think this fits for Trubisky. Um, I'm a little lower on the Bengals defense. I think you are too. Yeah. I'm not high on their defense at all. I like, I know, I know it's under seven. This number isn't going to seven. I like the Steelers here plus the six and a half. I have it locked in. Eric's leaning Steelers there. Any, I'm trying to look Cincinnati, nothing really all that big to mention Pittsburgh as far as injuries. I would play Jam- everyone's going to be on Jamar Chase over reception over receiving yards. I'd play the under just on principle alone. Yeah, I, I mean another one where I'm I'm not going to get probably too involved in this game uh, either way. 
Let's continue along, Eric, to uh, next game on the board. We've got 49ers Bears. So I think now we're into the uh, afternoon games. No, uh, the last. This is the last one. Oh yeah, this okay. So this is the last of the uh, of still the earlier games. Okay, I, mean, I want to play the Bears here so bad. God, do I want to play the Bears here so bad? We just so what's what have we seen around this number? It's up to seven now. Yeah, this this number has been doing what I this number has been doing the dance. It gets up to seven, it drops down. It gets up, you know, it gets mm-hmm. up to seven, then it gets dropped down. I bet Fred right now it is you know sitting at the seven. Um, other books, it's at the six and a half. I want to play the seven so bad. I mean, when you say it out loud, you know, a quarterback that hasn't played that much playing on the road against the and I'm, I mean, San Francisco turning one offensive lineman. That's, that's what I'm really worried about with their offensive line. So their interior offensive line will be replacing. They're going to have three, three complete unknowns in the middle. Yeah. Left center. And then right guard. That's, that with the combination of a brand new quarterback trying to figure things out, that might not be easy, especially with uh, an I've offense that sometimes is a little tricky and has some oh bells and God. whistles. I I, I want to play this line so flipping. When it gets to the seven and a half, I think I will, and I think it will. I really do think it will. I think come closer to Sunday, it will get it will and get I over that. The fact that. Now, I heard there were some teams that were offering a Mayfield-type deal for Garoppolo. The fact that the 49ers didn't trade Jimmy G when there was a couple teams that were offering it. It tips their hand. It kind of speaks to how low what they think about Trey Lance. And we just say it out loud. I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough thing for him to go on on the road to get this done. Okay, so in this particular game – any fantasy DFS type players? You're high on Debo this year. You talked about the incentives that they have written into his contract for him to run a little bit more. I mean, the Bears are a bad team, right? The Bears are a bad roster. Their defense is awful. Their offense is awful. Their line play on both sides is bad. Their secondary is miserable. So like in all the key positions, the Bears are bad. They may be feisty enough to stay into some games because at least Fields is a guy that can move move his feet a little bit. Um, Fields is good. I mean, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a little bit better than, than people are going to to realize. Yeah. Um, My only thing is this, he's just, he's gotten bad coaching. And he's Um, in a terrible situation. It it doesn't look like he has a whole lot around him to help him out here either. His mobility is going to help him against Bosa, Killaw and Armstead. Um, Yeah. I like the bears here. Uh, I haven't read it. DFS. I like Montgomery. I mean, I feel that Montgomery's, Mm -hmm. Get being overlooked a lot. You know, I mentioned it, you know, a couple times. He at he averages over a yard per carry running in the zone scheme. And that's what they're going to be running here. Yeah. I like um if yeah, maybe Montgomery. I'm trying to find his price right now. Cause it's always, I don't know, the way draft DraftKings always tends to veer you to certain players. So I always kind of try to find that B and path and I'm going down. Montgomery's only six grand. So I, I, I would definitely lean a little bit Montgomery here. For the Bears, as far as injuries are concerned, um, I guess nothing that'll really be, you know, worth 
you know, impact watching like, you know, some of the wide or well from wide receivers, what hurts them is their wide receiver room wasn't strong to begin with. And now if you look at the, some of the guys that are on injured reserve and that are hurt, David Moore, you have sharp, you have Nikhil Harry, who they just traded for. And then they had to place on injured reserve. Now Valus Jones jr. Was questionable, but the fact that we're talking about someone like Valus Jones Jr. as even being like an important wide receiver for them sort of tells all that needs to be said about their wide receivers. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a bummer. Yeah, they're, they're not in great. Pringle healthy yet? Pringle doesn't have any designation. Pringle now Pringle would be a DFS guy that's worth a punt. So Pringle would be in. I don't even think he's. He's in there. Let's see. Let's see if we can. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if we can look him up. But anything else you want to mention about this game? Uh, no. I, no. I so I so wanted about the Bears, but they just didn't make the card. Yeah. I, I need a little bit more to get in on the Bears. Let's move to uh, our next game. We've uh, 10 down, six more to go on the 16-game slate. Now we're up to Packers-Vikings. So divisional game again. This is the third one that falls under the trend that we've talked about, right? Thing. Where you have a divisional home dog. And this is my thing. Like, I, I I don't like it when so many people are on the same thing as I am. I flippin' hate it. Yeah, because then it feels like it's when it feels like everybody's on it and it's sort of the yeah, it's it's too trendy, it's too popular. I hate it. If this number was three, I would be all over the Vikings. And, uh, just a real, just a, so we, before we get too far away, Pringle returned to practice Monday uh, after missing. Uh, so yeah, returned to practice Monday, and yeah, so there you go, Pringle's good. Um, I if this if this was a three, I'd be on the Vikings. I kind of feel like everyone is like, oh, they got Kevin O'Connell, who's you know McVeigh's right hand man, and he's going to come there. He's going to make the Vikings offense like what. McVeigh had in the Rams. My thing is this is a Kirk Cousins is nowhere near Matt Stafford. B, you're telling me that Dalvin Cook, whose best production is coming to zone zone scheme running, is going to be able to successfully f- switch over to the, the the power gap combo blocking that O'Connell wants to run. They want to pass to set up the run, so you're going to take the ball to Cook's hands. Cook isn't a good pass catcher. And then instead of going, you're going to be running three wide receiver sets and the Vikings ran three wide receiver sets less than 5% of the time last year. And on top of that, Kirk Cousins statistically was one of the best um, play action passing quarterbacks in the league last year. And you want to limit, you're not going to do play action. This team was close to the playoffs last year, insanely close. And you're coming in with this new guy. Everything's different now. Changing everything. I played the Vikings win total under. I played them not to make the playoffs. I think the Vikings. I don't like. This is another one where I don't like either of these teams this year that much. Every year there's that one team that's kind of trendy that kind of under succeeds. I feel it's the Vikings this year. If this number was three, I'd be hammering Minnesota. But at one and a half, eh, this this is another guy. I just want to stand away. I don't trust the edge rushers to stay healthy. We've already heard some weird stuff for Green Bay. Like you and I were sort of high on Lazard. 
He's bad. not practicing, and it's now it's a, they said it's an ankle injury, and it was kind of weird. Um, Savage, limited, pra- limited. Tanyan Bakhtiari said that he is on track to play, so that's a positive. But uh, Jenkins, uh, the guard, he's also a little bit banged up, so it doesn't feel like they're all going to be 100% on the Green Bay side. And then on the Minnesota side, um, I guess nothing really all that worth mentioning, but I – I'm worried about Green Bay being, you know, a 13-win team. I think they could probably still win 10 or 11 games and win the division here. Yeah. This is they got this some is, rookies that they're going to be relying on a lot in some strong yeah. positions. They're de- I think that Green the entire template of this Green Bay team this year is going to look different. Like I just think they're going to be a very good defensive team. And I think they're going to lean on their defense a little bit more. I think their secondary is really really good. They they had one of the better secondaries and now, you know, Amos and Jair Alexander, think about Amos, Jair Alexander, healthy Jair Alexander returns to a quarterback group that was really good, you know, last year. So defensively, I think they're pretty solid. Then on the offensive side of the ball, I think they may have some questions with the offensive line, as I just mentioned, some of the injuries. And then you have a brand new group of wide receivers. I do love their backs. I think Jones and Dylan are strong. And if they can focus on getting those guys involved a whole lot, I like them both in in DFS situations and I think in season long. Um, so those are guys that I may play this week in, in a couple different lineups here and there, Eric Dylan, I'd have Dylan in a couple leagues too. I, I like them both. I like Jones. Um, Dylan's going to be the goal line back. I think Jones is going to, Jones is going to be that between the twenties runner. Dylan will get more of the goal line work. Um, yeah, but this is one of those games. If it was a three, I'd be hammering it, but this is just a pure stay away from me. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably staying away from this one. Also, let's move to our next game. We have Chiefs at Cardinals. Not a whole lot of positive coming out of uh, Arizona in the offseason. As we've heard, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray don't really see eye to eye as far as play calling. Kyler kind of goes off on his own. Some stuff with their coaching. That wasn't great. Hopkins out to start the first six games. Major concerns at offensive line and secondary. Marquise Brown had some issues. So it had a lot of bad buzz in the offseason. This Kansas City team is going to look a little bit different. They're now going to have no Tyreek Hill. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. And then uh, Valdez Scantling also comes in to add to McCole Harmon and Travis Kelsey. What are we knowing about the number and how this thing is moving? It was at three. It's all the way to six right now. Um, I'm going to hate my life because if this gets to seven, I'm that's me too. At seven, I'm playing Arizona. I have to play Arizona. The one thing that sticks out to me is the chiefs last year gave up five yards per carry. Cardinals average 4.7. If Kingsbury really is an offensive genius, he's going to come out. He's going to pound James Connor. I kind of, I do like James Connor in DFS because of that, because of his ability, how much success he did have last year and the Mm -hmm. Chiefs struggling to run the ball. The Chiefs are starting a couple rookies in some high stressful positions. Uh, yeah, I just, you know. Yeah. So they were bad, like you said. Last year, outside of Chris Jones, they ranked 20th. They were bad, even with that. They were 20th in team pressure rate, and they were they only had two players to clear 30 pressures on the year, Jones and Frank Clark. They ended the season 28th in EPA allowed per run play, which you were pointing out how bad they were against the run and now then they also had melvin ingram last year after the trade which they don't 
So they weren't even great last year with some of that top tier talent they had. And now they need rookies to come in and produce right now. I don't love them overall as like the bully beat you up kind of team that they felt like the last couple of years. Right. I think they will still be like a solid team. I don't think they're going to be a losing, have a losing record or anything like that. But I, if, if they're a touchdown favorite here, I jump in on Arizona. Yeah. And I don't even like Arizona. I think Arizona is going to be bad this year, but I think they could still be down by 10 yeah. late in this game and then score a garbage touchdown to get you to within one. For sure. For sure. I like Arizona here. I like the seven. They've been a good starting team too, right? It, for all of their faults late in the seasons, they've actually got off to hot starts. And it, some of it may have to do with just, oh yeah, the way that Kyler Murray is. He's a tough guy. He's faster than most of everyone that he's playing against, right? When Kyler gets hurt is when there's film on him when he's tired and when he starts getting worn down. Yeah. That's where he's, you know, he's vulnerable. And who knows? Like, he may come out with all this stuff being said about him, big chip on his shoulder. Absolutely. Right? Everybody, all everybody did talk about in the last, like I said, I came in right away saying how much bad buzz there was about them. People think, you know, oh, he doesn't study. He doesn't watch film. He's not smart. He doesn't know how to run an offense. He probably wants to really come out and prove it. Or who knows? Maybe the other way. Maybe he got paid, so he doesn't. You, you never know, right? You yeah, never know. You never but, know who's going to react. I mean. But this, I agree. This, this number, is a dead zone right now. Absolutely. I need, I need seven. I need seven yeah. for sure. Absolute dead zone. Now, DFS. James Conner is in DFS. And then season wide, you were someone that was high on Hardman last year. Would you give him a look at all again this year? I'd give Hardman a look. Um, I think Juju is worth a look. I yeah. wouldn't mind taking a punt on Juju having the most receiving yards this year. Okay. Um, this is the first time that Mahomes has had a true slot wide receiver. Um, you know, deep fantasy Pacheco is uh he's someone to take a look at. He'll probably it there's certain guys that are going to be a grind. Pacheco is going to be a grind. It's going to take him a little bit of a while to take over that number one spot. Um, Yeah, but in terms of DFS, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Connor is and he's seven grand. I mean, that's too much. That's that's, that's a little much. Yeah. That's uh, Casey's pretty clean as far as their injuries are concerned. They have one of the shortest injury reports of anyone uh, for Arizona. Let's see anything worth mentioning on their injury report. They, um, I mean, lots of couple, a couple linemen, you know, back Colt McCoy's out or Watt has been questionable for a little bit in Ertz. Now it does look like Ertz is going to play. He's someone that early in the year, if he's healthy, would you mind Ertz if there's no Hopkins around? Maybe he gets a little bit more of a look without Hopkins around for the first six weeks. No. Not you're just not a, not as high on, on Earth this year. I I don't mind I him. I want Randall more early. Okay, so I'd want Randall Rondell Rondell Moore Rondell Moore is someone who could take advantage of some of those targets. So that is uh, KC Arizona. Anything else you want to mention about this game, Eric? Before we move along, nah. I we need just, we need that number. We need that number to get to seven in order for us to dive in. Now I'm remember, fo- Daniels, if it gets to seven. Now remember, fo- yeah, remember, folks. Eric and I will be. Uh, hosting a show every Sunday morning. So when you hear us preview the games a couple days out, what's nice is that when we talk again on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock AM Eastern time, we'll have all of the updated information. If there's anything that's late, 
all of the line movements, if numbers have gotten to certain points. So we may have a, an additional player too. We may have a couple other thoughts based on the way things have moved. So that's always fun, Eric, that we were able to do that last year. And we'll be able to do that again this year where, where we talk earlier in the week. And then again, we can talk the day of talk a little bit more DFS also and sort of how we're building our lineups. That's going to be every week at BTV bets, the better than Vegas football show, a uh, fourth and inches. It'll be you, me, I believe Kyle, DFS Bachelor, sometimes Leo will jump on in. So that'll be a lot of fun. We will go through every Sunday game in probably an hour-ish or so, spend about five minutes or so on each game, give out some thoughts, and then uh, talk some DFS. So we'll have any additional information on uh, on Sunday. Let's move to Raiders Chargers. So we've got the rematch of the game that knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs from last year. This number is at three. What have we seen as far as it moving around? This is what I don't get. It was at three and a half. Now it's dipped down to three. This, I just feel like this is another game. Like everyone's going to be on the Chargers. I love this Chargers yeah, team. I, I do too. I know it. And at three now, it feels almost trappy. And that's because of that. It's just a no bet for me. This is an absolute no bet. I don't want to get involved. I suggest. I don't have any handicap analysis game stuff to lead me to want to play the Raiders. But I just at the number and the way that it's like, this feels like it should be like five. Honestly, I think so. Like it should be on, on a neutral field. Now the Raiders. Now do you do you say the Chargers have a neutral home? Uh, have even really a home field, right? Because let's be honest, there's going to be more Raiders fans there. There are because the Raiders have been a team that was in California for all of the years, you know, throughout. So they have had a huge fan base. They had a Los Angeles fan base too. There will be a ton of Raider fans there, so I guess it's not really much of a home field advantage. But I just think they're when you're power ranking these two teams, and we're going through the positives and the negatives. The Chargers have a lot of strengths on the defense. Now they're going to be without uh, Jackson in the secondary, so that that might hurt a little bit. But they brought in Joseph Day to help improve the run defense. They were 27th in the league in EPA per run play. And in 2020, this guy was second among all interior defensive linemen in run stops. Also, Khalil Mack, they bring him in. So you have Mack, you have Bosa. Those two have been two of the top three edge defenders based on PFF war metrics since 2019. Bosa has a 22% pass rush win rate. I mean, they are good. They are talented. They have a much improved offensive line. They brought in Slater, Filer, and Lindsey. They, were, uh, they can all be ranked top five-ish at their given positions. They were all ranked top six last year. Right tackle still a concern. Like everything leads me to want to be on the Chargers big in this game, but the number is scaring me. I agree hundred percent with everything you said, man. It's scary. It I, is. And that's why it's sometimes the best bet is no bet. Yeah. Like, the Raiders, the thing about the Raiders is this, and the best analogy is you made it the three point shooter. They have no one that can stretch the field. Because of that, that's going to allow everyone to press in, take away the underneath stuff from Adams, underneath stuff from um, Waller, Renfro. All they're all sort of guys that are going to be operating in the same space. And if you just look at Adams' production, he's always had a Valdez Scanlon, a Jordy Nelson, someone that can stretch the field. I think that's going to hurt this Raiders. 
You know, they have questions on the offensive line. Their Char- offensive line is awful. The right side of the offensive line allowed more pressures than any right guard and tackle and duo in the NFL last year. So so what they did was they brought in two new starters who don't have a ton of upside. So last year you were so awful, you bring in two new guys, but they're not that great, and they're brand new. It's just there's a lot of questions, and – Defensively, there's some questions too. They're Awful. I think they're miserable on the defensive side of the ball. I like their defensive coordinator. They're changing coach, changing philosophies. This, like, look, it would honestly, this game wouldn't surprise me if the Chargers won by 35. Me neither. The Raiders won in a last second field goal, or the Chargers won in the last second field goal. There's so many variables here. Just walk away and just don't bet it. Yeah. I'm not diving in on on, on this one. Just just can't do it because, gosh, will I be surprised if it's Chargers by 20? No, but the number is a little bit weird. Let's I will move. say this, though. I will say this. If the game's close, all the Mike Williams touchdowns last year, except for one, came in the fourth quarter. That's a good point. So you want to maybe bet. a live live bet, something like that. Um, anyone else in here, DFS or fantasy that you're looking at targeting? Uh, Mike Williams, that would be the only thing. Yeah, and Waller's – there's been some kind of – not great health stuff with Waller. I mean, he's going to play. He's, it's not even on the injury report as of right now, but just don't be su- completely surprised if he starts to get a little bit worn down. Let's continue along. Uh, two more games that remain, I believe. What? No, three more games that remain. <clears throat> we got Giants-Titans. So this one is now Titans minus five and a half over under 43 and a half. What have we seen as, as far as this number? This basically this is you know this it's actually dipped down it was at six and a half down to five um right now i'll say it in terms of eliminator survivor whatever the heck people call it titans are in for me just because these week ones i like to use teams i don't think i'm gonna i need to use later i'd rather save the ravens you know what i mean i'd rather save those guys for later i think this titans i think they can get this done here um we really don't know. I know. So Daniel now you you say that as an eliminator. What what as far as the number? Right, you're not laying five and a half with the Titans. I'm not going to bet this game at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is one that I really like at this particular number either. But I like the point there that they're not someone that maybe down the road you want as much in the spots. So this week you think they should be able to at least get the job done against a new staff, a New York team. That might take a little bit to, to just to get going, right? To figure things out, to come together. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that. I mean, I know there's a lot of questions with the offensive line and everything with um with the Tennessee Titans, but at the end of the day, like to win these eliminators, you gotta you gotta think outside the box. Yeah, you know, so that way you're not taking so you know what i mean so that way you can't just do what everybody else is doing because then you're going to be in the same spot that a lot of other people are you got to try to get creative uh daniel jones 57 percent ats against the spread you know um overall when he's a visitor you know he is 73 percent ats against the spread this guy does cover a lot at home um variable there's certain coaches I like betting when they're a dog and certain coaches I like to fade. Rabel does kind of struggle a little bit ATS um, as a, um, as a favorite, right? He's better as a dog. Yep. As a, as a dog, he's great as a favorite. I'm pulling it up right now. 
he, you know, he's six and nine ATS as a, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. Um, he was six and nine ATS as a home favorite. That's 40%. Now favorite in general, take out the home variable, 42%. So you have a negative ROI, Brian Rabel as a favorite. I'm a little higher this year overall on uh, on Robert Woods than you are, I think, in this spot. And it's I think it's mainly just because there's not a whole lot else there, right? They they don't have as, a whole lot else as far as receivers and even, like, receiving option tight ends. Hooper is fine. And with Derrick Henry, they'll run the ball. He's not even necessarily a fantastic back that receives, that catches passes. I think he might be okay – I mean, in DFS, he's like this week, he's not all that expensive. I think he's about five fifty six hundred. I guess um, you're not, but you're not really as high on woods. Is there anyone else here from a DFS standpoint that you'd be looking at playing in this game? Austin Hooper. Yeah. You liked him a little bit, right? You know, um, staple of the Tennessee offense to value the tight end, you know, Burks can't get in shape. He's a rookie woods coming off a major injury. I think there's some value in Austin Hooper. He's 3,700. I think he's worth kind of a flyer. He's someone I'll put into some lineups. The the Titans just feel like, you know, last year as the number one seed, it just feels like things aren't going to go, gonna go I mean, as well for them this year. And they drafted the kid Willis, you know, Tannehill looking over his shoulder. Um, they did suffer a big blow defensively. Their defensive lineman's out for the year who led him in sacks last year. Um, so, yeah, like, this team's trending down, but, you know, Jet Giants, you know, new system, Daniel Jones on the road. They have some questions. Their receivers, think- not a lot of great buzz out of there with, like, Holiday and some of the stuff there, too. So, Well, I, I would definitely I, – I right now I have the Titans as my survival pick. Yeah, and I'm staying away from betting this game uh, one side or the other. Let's move to Sunday night and then Monday night. So, Sunday night we have the Bucks versus the Cowboys. So, Tampa – had Tom Brady retire and then come back. They also have a new head coach here. Tampa brings in Russell Gage. They also bring in Julio Jones to add to the wide receivers of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now they do have uh, uh, some worries about their offensive line because Ryan Jensen, the center got hurt. So now they're going to have a situation where they have three new starters. One of them is good Shaq Mason. So that's not a problem, but just having three new starters is always not, it's not what idea. you want, right? Even yeah. if one of them is good because it's going to take all of them a while to get some chemistry. So it's going to take all of them a while for them to gel. And Brady wow. is like, second in clean pocket passing grade over the past two years compared to 10th when there's pressure. So he's just sort of okay when pressure because he just gets the ball out quick. But when there's no pressure and he has time, He's one of the absolute best. I just, what do we know about this number? Where is it moved? Where is it settling? It's just been steadily at two and a half. Dipped down to one and a half a little bit. Went back up to two and a half. This Are is you- my thing. I never lay points on the road. To me, this is take the Cowboys or everything else because everyone's going to be on the Bucks. You mentioned their offensive line issues. I think they have some issues on the secondary that you, me, and Kyle talked about on the BTV show. Um, I also think that um, something's up with Brady. Like he left for like what two weeks? No yep. one, everyone kind of, for, you know, Arians ain't there. Can Leftwich manage an offense with Arians not there? 
Bulls doesn't like like wants to run the ball more. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty around the Buccaneers, as crazy as it sounds. Cowboys, I know, you know, Dak is a year off the injury. I think he's going to look to throw more. I agree. I I kind of like Dak in this more. game. Yeah. I um, you know, I think the Cowboys. I mean, and who's going to? I like honestly, if you just look at this line, who's going to be betting the Cowboys? I, I like the Cowboys money line in this game. Yeah, I I'm like on the Cowboys plus two and a half. I'm hoping for a three. I don't think we get it. But. Yeah, I don't think we get it either. And that's why I'm okay with the money line and the, and the plus two and a half because they got to beat you by the three anyways. But yeah, I, I play them both. And I think, you know, Cowboys plus 120 is solid on, in this spot because Tampa is just, like we said, they're, they're coming into this with a lot of weird energy with Brady and – the offensive line stuff I don't love. I think this is a nice spot for Dallas. I'm I'm leaning Cowboys here at uh, at especially at this number, and I'm, I'm going to play Cowboys plus the money line on the money line plus 120. I'll probably just play the two and a half, like I said, waiting for a three. Now they they did have the Cowboys on their side. They actually had a bad offensive line. Uh, they've they've had some issues with the offensive line recently. Now they. Tyron Smith is out till December. They did just bring in um 40-year-old Jason Peters. He's the vet Peters on the couch. So and he's on the practice squad, so he's gonna take a little while. He actually still graded pretty well last year. They they need some help, so they're not gonna be necessarily fantastic. And that might hurt in this particular matchup, that could hurt them too, because Tampa does have a nice defensive front. So they that could great. that could be something to keep an eye on there. They have a great defensive front. So yeah. I definitely like they're, that. Yeah, and, and Dallas, like you said, their defense sort of overachieved overall last year. Like, I, you know, Diggs, all the interceptions, but he had over 1,000 passing yards in coverage, which led the NFL. He's just a total take-a-shot, like, cheat-type player. I don't love Dallas overall this year, but I like him in this spot here. I'm leaning Dallas, and I'll, uh, I'll yeah, play them. I'll on the Dallas, too. I'm just going to wait, though. Let's go to the final game, Monday Night Football. This one is the Russ Bowl. So we have the Denver Broncos, now quarterbacked by Russell Wilson, against the Seattle Seahawks, quarterbacked by Geno, baby. What a name. Um, where have we seen this number kind of moving and settling, Eric? Um, well, I mean, right now it's hovering at the um, at the six and a half. This is uh, Denver minus four to open up. This is my thought process with it. And we kind of saw this last year. Remember when Tom Brady went back to New England and it's, he's the Tom Brady. You can say what you want about him. One of the best athletes ever. And it, it was uncomfortable for him. It's going to be uncomfortable for Wilson too, going back to Seattle where you're loved. Now people are booing you. It's a tough place to play. It's at Monday night and Denver what I thought Denver was going to do defensively and what they are doing are completely night and day. They're running this stupid, like we've talked about before, the wide nine. So if the tackles are here, the um, the tackles are here, sorry, the defense defensive ends are outside the tackles. And the whole concept is the tackles have to go here, which opens up stuff for the linebackers. But it's like really simple to block against. I think... Rashad Penny is going to be able to eat this game. He's penciled as the number one starter. And Walker's because Walker's a little banged up, right? Yeah. He's had some issues. So I I think they're going to be able to to run on the ball on the Broncos. I think this is a big number. I think they're going to be able to keep this 
in the number. I think Denver's got some more issues in defensively that I initially didn't see when I did my preseason stuff with how they're playing. I'm going to be on Seattle here. I'm waiting for a seven. If I can get a seven, great. If not, I'll play the six and a half. I'm also going to take a flyer on Rashad Penny over rushing yards and him to rush for over about 100 yards in the game. And he's going to be in my DFS spotlight just because with how Denver's playing with this wide nine, it's just, it opens stuff up. And I think Denver is going to be a team that we're going to be able to get fantasy value on playing against in the running game. So, and just mentally wise, like just, just imagine like Penny, Penny, I'm this, I'm weak. He'll be probably in a captain spot for me on yeah, Monday. Cause sure. this is the Monday night game. Right. So yeah. he's someone I'll target. Cause it looks like Walker. They said they probably won't be playing week one. Uh, wait, he isn't sure. Yeah. Peach Carroll said he isn't sure whether Walker will play week one against the Broncos. So um, keep monitoring that. Obviously we're recording on Wednesday night. So you'll know by, by Monday, you'll have much better idea for now, but uh, Eric, Final thoughts on uh, on this game? Um, Penny over 100 yards. Seattle, give me that uh, plus seven, hopefully, if not plus six and a half. Okay, I think we have five that are pretty easy to agree on for the five games that we're going to uh, come together. We're gonna go, uh, Rams, pl- Rams. Rams plus two and a half. Plus 2.5. Carolina minus one and a half. Panthers minus one and a half. Texans plus seven. Texans plus seven. Falcons plus five and a half. Falcons plus five and a half. And Lions plus four. I like it, dude. Let's see what we do, man. Let's do it. Yeah, those ones were easy agreement. We didn't have much dissension on all of those at all. Eric, you and I will be talking a lot of football, my friend. I look forward to it. We'll talk every like Wednesday night or Thursday when we record this show uh, for my podcast, and we'll go through the entire week slate. And then on Friday, every Friday, we'll talk college football. That'll be at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, where it's you, me. Uh, it was uh, Jim, XFL, Jim, CFL, Jim. Last week, we had, we had a fun first show. We'll go over the like five top games of the week, and then we'll each give out some best bets there. That's on Friday. Then on Sunday, we'll do the morning show with Better Than Vegas, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. We'll go over all of the Sunday games with Kyle, DFS Bachelor, with you and with me. That'll be a lot of fun. Lots of football to talk each and every week, my friend. I'm looking forward to it, man. This is our time to shine, dude. You know, then we go right into basketball. Yep. Let's make some money, my man. Okay, tell us once again, uh, you also have a lot of your own content. Uh, you have the Tuesday show and then the podcast. podcast comes out on Friday, hopefully. Um you know, I don't know. I've been having some issues with Apple not publishing it. So hopefully it comes out this week. Um, along with going um, the college football show on Friday night, um, Jim and I have just been going live on Sun Saturday morning. We've been getting a lot nice. of questions. Cool. So and I go live um, 9 p.m. Eastern for about 20 minutes. Just ask you guys. Is- 9 a.m. or p.m.? 9 a.m., excuse me. Okay. Okay. Questions. Um, and then. Uh, Jim and I actually do a college football recap show that comes out Monday night. And then uh, Tuesday night, you're actually going to be on my show this week. Yep. We'll re- and, uh, re- recap kind of week one. Talk yeah, about everything we'll that happened. Week one, say we're right when we're wrong and, you know, give some early looks. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of talk some football. And, you know, the chat room, chat room's always open that. It's gone some weird places. When Leo was on, there was a <laughs> picture of some lady with a boob out in the background. Okay. 
took a five minute thing. Someone Who knows? where I got my sweatshirt. So, you know, this, it, yeah, the chat room can go places in there. So it's a, it's a good time. It's about 30 minutes long. So uh, and that's 10 PM Eastern on Tuesday. Other uh, plays that I might be looking at too. I mentioned, I'm going to look at Baker to score a touchdown plus 700. I'm going to look at Allen Robinson to score a touchdown plus 160. And I'm going to look at the Cowboys on the money line. We didn't, we both sort of agree on the Cowboys as a play. That wasn't one of our, our plays together. Um, I'm also looking at possibly a the, – the Chargers line scares me. I might play a Chargers team total. I might feel a little bit better about that because I, I think I can feel pretty confident about them scoring points in that game. But if the Raiders – the Raiders might be able to score points also and that, that line is fishy, I might look for a team total instead of playing that game individually if that's a, game, a way that I want like – trap. Yeah, if I want to attack that game, because I just that that number at the three is just a little too fishy for me. So, Eric, my friend, thank you, buddy. I look forward to uh, all the conversations that we're going to have in the coming months. I look forward to it, too, my friend. Let's let's make some money, dude. Good luck, everyone uh, out there this weekend. Come and hang out with us again Friday at BTV Bets, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And then Sunday uh, at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time at BTV Bets. We'll get you all set up with up-to-date uh, up information, any last-minute changes, number movements, anything that's happened in the, the few days leading up to Sunday football. Good luck this weekend, and uh, football is back. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, 
multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. This weekend in Stable Duel, myself, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears will give you all of the important information for Friday, Saturday contests for Stable Duel, and then we'll give you some best bets for Friday and for Saturday from a couple different racetracks. Now, Friday, Delaware, Indy, Gulfstream, and Del Mar have contests. There's actually a free game at Gulfstream. If you go right now, you've listened and you've heard us talking about Stable Duel before, but you never never were really sure, you never got involved, you can download the app for free, and then you can play in a contest for free, and it gives out cash prizes to the winners. If you ever wanted to test it out, this is the perfect time to do so. Friday, Gulfstream Park, a free ride, then you can see if it's something that you like. If you are a player of fantasy football, daily fantasy, if you play DFS with that style, with a salary cap, you'll love Stable Duel. It's the same format. Saturday, Gulfstream, Kentucky Downs, Del Mar, Canterbury all have games. And then Sunday, Kentucky, Gulfstream, Del Mar, and Golden Gate. Those are your options this weekend for Stable Duel. Let's talk some Friday racing. A couple best bets for you over at Del Mar for Friday. Let's look at September the 9th, and let's look at race number two. Maiden Special Weights going five furlongs on the turf course here. I like the two, Dream a Dream. She missed a break in her debut, and that was really that. She was about eight lengths off. She moved in between and wide, and the winner won that race by about four lengths. She was not far behind the rest of the group that day. And this barn has won with two of their last six horses that are maidens making their second start at 6-1 to one and at 7-1, to one, right around the price that this filly should be. I think she's got some ability here. I'm giving Dream a Dream a look, and I'll make a win wager if she's anything around 5-1. to one. In race number four, let's take a look at the number six in here, Southern King, who is 8-1 to one on the morning line. This six-year-old gelding, had a, a long time off from February of 2021 to June of 2022. Since then, he's returned, and he's run two pretty good races around this level, and both of them has had a little bit of trouble. On June the 5th, was behind three next-out winners. So finished fourth, the, the three horses that finished in front of him all came back to win their next start. Two of them came back to win for 32000 One came back to win for first-level allowance, optional claiming for Calbreds. And in that race, he was taken back to 8th of 9. He was about 10 lengths, uh, about 10 off in a race where the winner went wire to wire. He really moved well through a tight spot late. 
up to finish fourth. And then last time out was hooked three wide into the turn and just couldn't tuck in. It was three deep, three lengths off, loomed up at the top of the lane, but that wide trip just ended up being a little too much for him late in the stages of the race. Eight to one on the morning line, another horse who I had sort of like a four to one shot in here. So if this horse is anything over four, that's the line and I'm willing to make a win wager. The eighth race is the number two. What's funny is I've been going through a really a rough stretch recently where a lot of horses that I like are getting in trouble, bad trips, just unlucky. It happens with all gamblers. This has been a, a pretty elongated one for me. We've had horses that we give out that win, but it, we just I just can't seem to connect when when I really need a big one. And I, I needed Coast of Roan quite a bit. Uh, just I had the horse to win in a couple of big spots. And on August the 11th, I gave Coast of Roan out. And he was a step slow in that race. Sitting about 6th or 7th, 6 lengths off, he was in the 2 path. And he got caught in between horses traveling really well and just had nowhere to go. In the 3rd flight, and had to wait for its spot, and that closed. It just, a brutal trip. Never got a chance to run. They'll drop a notch, and Flavian Pratt jumps aboard. Second start off the claim for Mullins. Second start off the short little break. I like Coast of Roan quite a bit in here. 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2, to two, we'd make a win wager there. So a couple plays for you for Friday at Del Mar. A couple horses to play to win using your pick fours, pick fives, and definitely throw them in your stable dual lineups in the Del Mar Friday game. Let's move to Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about Kentucky Downs. A couple of these races were on the canceled card last week, so they've, they're have they rerunning some of the stakes races here. I'm going to look at races 5, 9, and 12. The fifth race was a race that we actually gave out, Calvary Charge, last time. So I'm going to mention him again. He's the number 10 in here. He's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. He can sit nicely, maybe sit third or fourth in this race behind Injunction, Tuts of Revenge, and maybe some like it hot brown. I could see Grace Fable up there close to. I think he can tuck right behind that group of, of horses who are quick early. He's not quite as fast as them, but he can sit right behind. He can close. Look at some of the races he's exiting. He's been behind Santin a couple times, who's right up at the top of the list of the, the top turf horses right now. This is good class relief for him. With the outside draw, it'll give him the opportunity to tuck in. Being a little wide at Kentucky doesn't really hurt you as bad as it does on other turf courses. I hope Calvary Charge can stay in the clear, just to the outside, a couple lengths behind, sitting third or fourth in here. This horse who is in front of some like it Hot Brown, two starts back. He's won at Kentucky Downs. Lots of little things to like about Calvary Charge. Let's move to race number 9. I'm looking at the number 10 in here. Totally Boss. Totally Boss is 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. And Totally Boss actually won this race a couple years ago, back in 2019. He's had a tough time stringing races together. He should be ready for a big, big effort today. Let's go through some of his recent form. He drew the rail last time out, and that was his first start since May. And he dropped back on the inside. He was 8th of 9. Then he was in really tight, so he was all the way back to last. And he moved to the outside. He tried to move to the in-between and then angle around, and he was rolling at the top of the stretch. But that wide journey sort of caught up with him late. That was his first start in two months. It was just his second start in the last 14 months, and he's only made three starts in the last two years. He's just getting his feet under him again. I think this will be a big step forward for him. They're priming him for this race, a race that he won back in 2019, so he likes this course. He has no problem with this trip. 
Totally boss, another number 10 who can sit nicely to the outside. So 10 in the 5th, 10 in the ninth. both of them 12 to 1 on the morning line. Moving to the 12th race at Kentucky. And I'm looking at the number 8 in here. That is Sumter. This is the Franklin Simpson. Grade 2 going 6.5 on the turf. Sumter is turning back from a mile and a 16th and should sit beautifully in here. Second start off the bench. I think this is just going to be a great, great spot for Sumter down uh, towards the outside to sit, you know, third, just behind a couple of the speeds. I don't think he's going to be as quick at this distance, and that's perfect. I'm not wanting that trip from him. I'm wanting him to sit just off the pace a little bit. Sumter comes out of a grade three over at Del Mar, was a back-to-back stakes winner prior to that, and now he can sit off a little bit here, cutting back to six and a half. So three plays for Saturday over at Kentucky Downs. Best of luck there. Really, really good racing over at Kentucky. Let's get to Louisiana for Saturday. We'll go through the full card for Saturday. Just a few weeks left for Louisiana Downs racing. If you haven't been paying attention to the racing at Louisiana Downs or maybe you haven't played there much, give it a look right now. There's a few weeks left. Lone Star just closed. Evangeline just closed. So a lot of those horses come into Louisiana. The fields are big. There's turf racing and there's dirt racing. There's 50 cent pick four and pick fives that are 15% low takeout. Everything you want as a gambler, they have there. Competitive racing, turf and dirt racing, low takeout wagers. Win play show is only 17%. It's a hidden gem. Come check it out. I'm looking at these races every day. I'm providing selections every single day. Race one, we're looking at on September the 10th. And looking at the number 5, Wilton. The distance should be perfect for him. He's 0 for 18 overall, but a lot of his races have come at 5. And when he went a mile in an 8th, it was too far. I think 7.5 should be great for him. Let's give Wilton top billing in here. White Rose Jewel is obviously a player. The 8, Midnight Oil. It makes a lot of sense off of that good effort. Last time out, the one sweet present. I would expect a little bit more from. I wouldn't be shocked to see him run well. And uh, and the seven ogres, Lion King, actually fits really well in here too. It's a competitive opener on Saturday. I stacked them um, five, two, eight, one, seven in race number two. Thought this was going to be chalky in here. The first timers from the rail will probably be tough. I put the one A Warzong on top. <clears throat> the dam was a three time winner. The lone sibling was a four time winner. The four, Thunder takes the lead, is the horse they'll all have to beat. And then the one got a deal was the other one. Dan was an eight-time winner. All seven sibs have won. Not a strong race here in race number two. Third race is a first-level allowance, going seven and a half on the turf. Swizzle City comes out of some really tough races. This filly has run into Katie's Carrot and Lady Jeopardy. Sharp, sharp runners as of late. Empty Net, who finished right in front of her, came back to win their next start. I'm giving Swizzle City a look in here. The one will offer you really a strong entry. I like the 1A a little bit better, but the 1 and the 1A both make sense here. The 5 will also be in some tickets for me. Galilea's Promise, who has some decent turf form in those two uh, turf efforts. So we ended up using uh, 2 1A5 there. Moving to the 4th. This one kicks off the pick 4. $5,000 claimers, non-winners of... Uh, a race since May the 7th. Mile and 70 on the dirt. I like the two Midnight Revolt who fits the conditions beautifully. He won on May the 2nd. And if you toss the recent races in the slop, you're, you're left with some really good form. Midnight Revolt. A lot of open company races in here. In for this restricted claiming tag. 
and dropping from that last effort. The one land of the pharaohs is the horse to beat. The six debonair dude, very honest, always shows up and tries and has been running in similar spots over at Evangeline, so this should stack up pretty well. In the fifth race, looking at the number one top ten Duchess who just got caught in some traffic but closed really well for third, uh, has run into some sharp horses as of late. So she could offer you some nice value there. The nine horse is the one to beat. Darling Joanna's turf form is really, really solid with these. Kenya Strike is another whose grass races, when you dive into, she's faced some tough company in uh, you know a couple of them. So I think she's actually a, a major, major player in here. I'm using the seven in, in exotics. And then the six is another price that is kind of interesting if you're looking to go a little deeper. Custom Maiden, who has some pretty nice turf form. 1976 in race number five. Moving to the sixth, another race that's pretty competitive. $17,000, 500 claimers, non winners of two on the year, seven furlongs. The distance, miss of time, getting some class relief here. The five new eagle, first off the claim for a really good barn off the claim. Seau is the horse to beat, coming out of better races over at Churchill and at Oaklawn. And then the four, Populist. Not sure what to do with this one. He would not be a shock whatsoever in here. Like others, a tad more, but he, it's, the price will dictate how and, uh, and is, if I'm using him in what way. In moving to the seventh and final for Saturday at Louisiana, seven and a half on the turf, non-winners of two allowance runners here. I like the eight, IDK. That two-back race behind Charlie G looks really strong now as Charlie G came back to win that next out and then finished second in a stakes race. And IDK didn't have the smoothest of journeys that day. Overall, he has some upside on the turf. He finally put it all together back in July on the uh, in the slop. I'm giving IDK a look. The two, Bricktown. It's really well. And his last effort, if you just put a line through that last effort leading into that race, everything else was really good. Let's see if we can make an excuse for the last one for him and give him one more shot back. The one classic intention was a real impressive winner last time out. I thought the four alligator crawl might be worth another look in here because his turf race was not bad. And he may, he's better than he showed in his last start. 8 2 in the seventh at Louisiana. So that's Saturday, Louisiana Downs. Let's head to Saturday, Del Mar. Then we'll finish up with some Sunday, Louisiana Downs. And little Chad Cooper with this week in wrestling. Hope everyone's having a, a fantastic week as we get set for a big sports weekend. Let's get to Del Mar Saturday. I'm looking at the fifth race, the number one, Koalinga Road, who was in a, a strong race last time out chasing Goliad. And Goliad earned a big number and stretched that field out. And because of that, Koalinga Road just got caught behind horses a couple times. Was sixth, seventh, was about 10 lengths off. And things got really crowded and cramped down on the inside. And he was behind horses. He's kind of having to shift around a bunch. He really got uh, got going when he had a chance to stretch his legs. When you go race by race, he's been remarkably consistent overall. And he does not have to be as far back going this far. I think he'll sit a lot closer on the inside and be able to get a different trip in here. Koalinga Road, the number one in race number five, is 5-1 to one on the morning line, 7-2 to two or over. We'll make a win wager there. Let's move to the eighth race, which is the Del Mar debutante. And in this eighth race... I do think the one is is a nice filly. Uh, she's really, really 
honest. She shows up. She's hard trying. She's versatile. I would not toss her out of exotics. I would use her. But I do think the maiden ice dancing the number eight has uh, has a shot in here. There's no monsters in this field. I could see Vegas Magic having to show a little more speed from the rail, and then you could get uh, Tell Me No Lies and Fast and Shiny and Home Cooking all close up. Ice Dancing will sit and then make a, a late rally. She had a slow start in her debut. She was last of seven, but she was just about three lengths off. She made an early move to the outside. She was in the five path at the top of the lane, and she really started to stretch those legs nicely once she got straightened out. Flavian Pratt jumps aboard as Mike Smith goes to home cooking. I like ice dancing. Eight to one on the morning line. The number eight in race number eight. The eights are wild. In race number 10, let's look at the eight horse as a matter of fact. Just toss the turf races. Turfed in the debut. Tried the Oceanside last time out. The other four efforts are really good. Three of them are wins, and then you have a runner-up effort going long on the synthetic at Golden Gate. Six furlong sprinting. Is this exactly what he wants to do? He's been ultra impressive in both of his six furlong dirt sprints. He can sit just off. I think it's a good, good spot for as a matter of fact. Four to one on the morning line. Anything over five to two will make a win wager. I'll treat him like a late exotic single. And then we've got in the 11th race, the number 11. We gave this filly out a couple months ago. We'll go back to her because she had some trouble last time out. Adeli. Never mind, I'd find somebody like you. So she was seventh, about eight lengths off in her most recent race, early in the in the race. But she was traveling well. She wanted to go. She had to back out of a tight spot. She had to back back to ninth. And then she shot through the inside. She angled out, and she really got going nicely late. She's moving in the right direction. Adeli, the number 11, is 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything over 6 will make a win wager there. The number 11 in race 11. That is Saturday over at Del Mar. Closing weekend at Del Mar. Good luck with all your plays this weekend. Let's finish up with some Sunday racing. Let's move to Sunday. Take a quick run through the Louisiana Downs Sunday card. We'll start with Louisiana Bread Maiden 12-5 claimers. The 5 rock star Alex cuts back. Gets back to the dirt. Could offer a little value in here. Anything around 4-1 to one, I'd make a win wager. The number two, Luck of the Stars, is no doubt the horse to beat dropping in class. And War King is the first-time starter. The dam was a six-time winner. The two siblings both won. And Shane Wilson has had nice recent success with the first-time starters. He's won with a couple in just the last few weeks. War King, 5-2-6 in the opener. Race two will get on the turf course. 12,500 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime. The number 10... Will be the top selection in here for me. That is one for Vivi, whose turf races are really good here at Louisiana. The fairgrounds races, she was in a little bit too tough, or he was in a little too tough, and he came from way out of it to win last time out. Sat a little closer winning his maiden race back in May. I like one for Vivi. The 1A feels like Now You Rules is probably the most likely winner of this race. So uh, tough to... Dismissed from Exotics there. The number two, Burn. The fourth place finish last time out was really not bad at all. I think there's a upside here. Should be able to save some ground. And that overall turf form is some of the more consistent. The nine also in the mix. Calling in the night. While he's 0 for 6 on the turf, five of those have been in the money. So he's usually right there uh, at the wire in, in the you know underneath spots. 
Moving to the third race, Louisiana Bread Maiden, Phillies and Mares, $5,000 Claimers. I'm looking at the four wheels like Nala. Going to be a pretty heavy favorite in here. The one, Don't Look Ethel, and then the eight, Prime Choice is a first-time starter, but she's a five-year-old mare. Her damn won her debut, and there are three winning siblings to report, but I just I thought this was going to be a little chalky. I had 4-1-8. Fourth race kicks off the pick four. Seven and a half furlongs on the turf. It's a first-level allowance. Monarch Man exits a really nice race behind Wins Tea Time, who's in great form right now, who's very, very sharp, and Monarch Man is uh, the horse that I'll play at around 3-1. to one. The 7, picking Roses. Well, Monarch Man's going to have to deal with another Jean Son runner here, picking Roses, who's stepping up off of a couple really nice efforts, and he, he's in really good form. The 4-horse... Paralysis from analysis should be able to sit pretty closely from the inside. Was a monster winner on the main track and now gets back to the turf. And then you have the nine, Beauregard with the blinkers on. Wouldn't be shocked to see this one try to show a little more speed in here. Six, seven, four, nine in the fourth. Let's move to race number five. Seven furlongs on the dirt, 5,000 non winners of four. The two, Poseidon Wrath. For Eduardo Ramirez comes into this race off of a third place effort. And now was on the slop. And he's beaten better recently. This is a good spot for Poseidon Wrath. The six horse paint your wagon is really, really quick. The four Mr. Be Quiet could be the value play in here. Likes this trip and should come running late. Moving along to race number six. I went six eight two in here. They'll go five furlongs on the turf course. The six drop dead sexy is just so fast. This filly can run them off their feet. She was a runner-up on the dirt last time out. She gets back to the turf where she crushed in her only turf start. If she gets pushed on the front end, it'll set up for an off-the-pace runner. And that might be Summer just bet her who can sit just off from the outside. The two Princess Phone will try to come running late. Eight or six eight two in the sixth. Let's close it out on Sunday. Maiden 12-5 claimers. The two, Sobriety, getting some class relief in here. Sobriety was forwardly placed and involved in a race at Oaklawn Park back in December. I think we'll see them try to get aggressive from the inside. The seven, Pikachu. One of the horses they'll all have to hold off. And then you have Mr. Wimbledon Bay, the one dropping in class with the blinkers coming off. Two, seven, and one. So that is Sunday for Louisiana Downs. Good luck this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday racing. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is full-service realtor Cindy Carava. And her website is C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to vendors if you're looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers. If you need help, with a loan, she can connect you with the right type of lenders that'll you know help get you pre-approved and make life easy for you. Cindy is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Get in contact with her if you need any help at all. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. a crazy week in wrestling. A crazy one. Chad Cooper joins us to talk about all the drama in AEW and how Tony Khan handled it pretty well on Wednesday after probably being surprised with with what was happening on Sunday. We dive into WWE, Clash of the Castle, and the aftermath, 
NXT, Worlds Collide, and the Aftermath, Chad Cooper, and this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's that time again. It's time to talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. Everything happening on Raw, on SmackDown, in the WWE world. Everything happening in NXT and then over on AEW. Coop, I I mean, this normally we go an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. I felt like this week we may not have much to talk about. You know, it's not not a whole lot to to fill the time. I don't even know where we're going to start. I think we do have to start. With AEW this week, no doubt about it As, wow, craziness coming off of their all-out pay-per-view This was the uh, the, the pay-per-view that four years ago actually this started it So this was their fourth all-out They did an all-out pay-per-view before they even had any TV So now they're coming up on their three-year anniversary, I believe, of television And wow, did they have a weekend where... You have your big show, and leading into the show, the build to the the show was kind of weird. And maybe now we're starting to understand a little bit why, right? Maybe maybe there was all this weird stuff happening behind the scenes already that was making it difficult to just put these matches together and just build cohesive stories. We didn't know why they had Punk come back. They had a, a main event match with Moxley on TV. That he ends up losing and then 10 days later He wins this thing back This was all just kind of weird It seemed it seemed a little weird And then if, you, if you're listening to this And you don't know what we're talking about And what happens next At the pay-per-view CM Punk wins the title in the main event Clean, he beats John Moxley The match was pretty good It was pretty good, it was better than I thought it was going to be Having the The crap that happened a few weeks earlier But Immediately following the match, Chad, they have these um, these scrums after, and WWE starting to do this now too. Just like any any regular sport would have their post game press conference, you know, where the reporters can come in and ask a couple questions. Everyone can ask a question to a few of the players and the coaches. CM Punk sits down. Nobody asks him a question. He just goes. In fact, <laughs> the camera wasn't even rolling yet. That's how. That's how quickly he started Like the people who were setting up the video For the scrum Hadn't even started recording when he was talking You could just hear his voice for a minute And then the camera clicks on This guy goes on a tangent about Colt Cabana About stuff that happened to them personally Nothing to do with AEW I mean everything that happened with him and Colt Cabana Were years before AEW was even created And he's dropping F-bombs He's being... Honestly, as disrespectful as you could possibly be Now, I don't I'm not even going to talk about If you think CM Punk is right or wrong In in what happened with Colt Cabana All I'm going to say is Chad Cooper, if you did that At your place of business What the hell would happen to you? Because I know I sure as shit can't do things like that Like (laughs) I Man, I don't even know where to start Right? 
first off, I, I would I would be terminated. That that's a I would have probably been pulled during the press conference. That mic would have been cut. You wouldn't even have been able to finish your st- your statements. A lot of them. I, I think Tony Khan would had no idea what to do, what was going on, the the look on his face. Um, I, there's a time and place for things, and as you mentioned, this had nothing to do with a the guys going after his mom he talked about his mom you living at your parents house or your mother I mean, that house. kind of stuff is like you know how many people have a bank account with one of their parents so yeah. many people or their family Dude, members I, are like i take care of my parents daily i mean oh my gosh my parents help me i help them we go back and forth anytime hey look if i had a chance to live with them now brother let me tell you <laughs> man I'm, I'm i just i don't gimmick. yeah <laughs> i didn't i just thought it was really even if you agree with every single thing that CM Punk said, right? He's got the receipts to say, hey, look, everybody's still talking trash to me about this guy, but I actually helped the guy. I paid for him this or that. Even if all that's true, is that the forum right there? No. You just no. won the main Anything. event of this huge show in Chicago, your hometown. You just came back after this was supposed to be your big coming back moment. You just lost. You got your ass kicked. Like, that was the first thing that he said. That was that was percolating through his mind after all of this i just there was some stuff that's that's had to have happened that was leading up to a bunch of this stuff you know first let, let me let me the tony khan as he sat there I, I i i don't know what i would actually do in that moment because i wasn't actually in that moment but playing devil's advocate being the guy that tony khan is and and says he is and what he does you have to stop that Right then and there and say, this ain't happening. This is not a time and place for this, you know, and if you if take I want to get back to this drama, but take the drama out. The guy wins the world title. Now he's hurt again. Yep, he's going to be out for quite some time. I think he ends up blasting hangman page there towards the end. And then after that, we just have an all out fight. Correct. We have a brawl, a brawl where. Punches were thrown, chairs were thrown, there was biting going on between CM Punk, Ace Steel, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. Those are your three EVPs. Ever since Cody yeah, Rhodes yeah. left, those are the executive vice pro- uh, producers of the show, the EVPs. Um, yeah. Or, uh, well, it's whatever. obvious. It's all, Here's my take. It's obvious that CM Punk is not a happy guy. I no. mean, it's obvious. And, and maybe that has something to do with these injuries. It, as you said, it was a weird build to this from the get-go. You and I have been talking about CM Punk Moxley for several weeks now, the way we have gotten here. And then he wins the world title, and then MJF comes out, which we said, you know, this, it, and you and I both agree that that was probably not one of the better pay-per-views no. for AEW. No. And we talked, you know, what would save, the what would make the fans happy an internet fan ha- fans happy would would be MJF, and we talked about he would he was going to have to come back, and he did. And nobody's talking about it, but nobody's nobody... talking about it. His promo was, eh, but it's being so overshadowed. And here's the thing: he's not even in this world title tournament that they so... put in. It's obvious that we're going to go in the route of a former WWE guy. You you know what's going to happen. Do, on do you think it's going to be and and? The way that he mentioned it, too, that he could get it any time, any place, 
Like, do you think it's going to be like a Money in the Bank? I would hope so because that's where the that he comes you. out after a long match and just with the referee and says, "Okay, I'm having my match right now." Yeah, and you have and you have to, you know. I uh, so who wins this? You know, so to wrap up the the drama, suspensions are given out, and this is not a work. Now uh, I will say, now, now I will say, I completely agree in that. I'm I'm a little bit more of like a a fiery person. Sure. So if somebody was sitting like if somebody came on my show and started saying a bunch of stuff about my company, my pro, like if somebody came on here and was blasting you and Andrew Champagne and like <laughs> my buddies that do all the work on this show, I would pull them off immediately and cut the stream. Sure. You know, like I would just say, well, I'm not going to have that on here. Now you're right. I think it's a what would put if Tony was in a hard spot because let, a lot of the things that Punk said are true. They are. He just said oh. it like an asshole in a in a really bad way and not in the right forum. Like he is a big draw. He does know wrestling better and has experienced being on TV and being in big stuff better than all those guys. Like every, almost all of them, except for like a Jericho or maybe a Brian. Right? There's a few in there that have that have been there. But he's right when he talks about Page and the Bucks and Omega. What what he's been through versus them. A lot of that's accurate. But but you hold on. He knew that going into this. I know, and he loved it. That was why he went in to begin with. He wanted to be the guy to help take them to the next level. It was all roses. Remember, this is pro wrestling. This is and not sports look, entertainment. That's why I said, Gino, something happened, and we've been hearing things for a while now. You and I, and we know how internet rumors are, especially with the dirt sheets. And, and there's really, there's only really one dirt sheet or two dirt sheets, to be honest. Uh, yeah. You know, Wrestling Observer, and then I think Fight uh, was it Fightful Fight Select. They do a very good job. They do. They they try to get as like yeah. as many sources. They, they don't just make stuff up for the most part. Like they right. may get worked a little bit on sure, on things, sure. but I don't ever think that they're just making something up and running with it. But but we've been hearing for the past several months now. There's been problems. There's yeah. not. And look, you know, there's going to be problems because. As you said, here we are. This is the fourth all out, the the basically the third anniversary because the first one that they ran was absolutely a phenomenal. It, it was like WrestleMania three. You know, you, you had you remember you had Tessa Blanchard, yeah, you, you had the great women's match. You just had fantastic stuff. But now you have a roster that's so full, uh, and the majority of the guys and girls that are getting time are those who you just signed from WWE. And I understand it. That's probably the smart play, but you have a lot of, you have a lot of folks. that's not getting time. So there is a lot of anger. There's been a lot of cuts. Um, some of the cuts have been not so graceful. They, they've taken to social media, but we've been hearing for a couple of months now that there was some problems and it's all coming to a head. And, and, and that look, CM Punk told you, he said it multiple times. And I think this is the one part I do agree with him. I look, this is one thing that I, I don't know who, how, or what, but this is the one thing that drove Vince McMahon crazy in hell. Maybe he was the one doing it, and he's just that narcissist, narcissistic and, and, and psychotic of a person. But people were are leaking stuff to the two dirt sheets, uh, namely Wrestling Observer. And CM Punk had enough of it. And he called out Hangman Page. Now, whether Hangman Page did it, no clue. That's who CM Punk did it. I agree on that point. I think as a as an entertainment um, 
a sporting event and, and wrestling. Sure. It is entertainment, but at the end of the day, it's sports. You, you, you and I both, I don't care what argument somebody wants to bring to the table that professional wrestling is not a sport. I, I I'm not even going to get entertain that because we know at the end of the day, it, it is a real sport. So I, I agree in that aspect. And I think that's, that that's what drove Vince McMahon crazy. There was a lot of leaks. And I think some of these links leaks, were purposely done to piss certain people off. And one of them was CM Punk. You know, I, I think that something has gone sour with him. Some people in the back were probably uh, not agreeing with the way the storyline was going and CM Punk coming back. He's hurt. He's not hurt. He comes back. He wins the title. He loses the title. He wins it again. At the end of the day, look, you're, you're fighting for TV time. And look, you, whoever says I'm joining a sport just to participate is wrong. I know you want be, to you win the win. world title. You Absolutely. want to be the main event. You know, everyone, everyone does. So he's completely right in all of that. It's just you I'm could gonna, see you could wait. see what happens when he comes into a place like this because he he makes it my way or you're against me. You're either with me that's or what, you're that, against that's me. That's why I have prob I had a problem with him. Coming in at the very beginning, and you and I said this, these were some wonky promos that he yep. was cutting. Those babyface promos. I'm going to put everybody. I, I Now Uncle, you look like back. Uncle at, CM Punk, you know yeah, what I mean? He was yeah. like the. You look back on that now, do you think he was just lying? Was that BS? Or was he just really excited because and all that's of those. That's a good point. That could right, like it. All it's, those guys at that point were probably like. Oh man, it's cool. It's CM Punk, and they were happy to see him. Oh man, he's gonna get more eyeballs on this. And then, you know, like we've seen, it was a year, a year since his first match. And now, over the last six months, what's ended up happening is when Punk won the title the first time, it was absolutely the right thing to do. He he was the hottest guy on the show. He was over. He needed the title. It was right. Hangman Page wasn't really flourishing as the champ at that point. It was the perfect moment. But then he got hurt. So now what's ended up happening too is since he's been hurt, you you have to try to force this storyline back. Like you've had to force him back to being the main part of the show. Whereas the, the, the first time it was sort of natural. And I can totally understand why people would be resentful. Like how would you feel right now if you were Moxley? Ooh. And And like, let me say, he came out and cut one of the most amazing promos. It was fantastic. It was like a rally the troops promo. He said, I wasn't even supposed to be here. He was supposed to be on vacation because he was supposed to have lost and then been off TV probably for a couple weeks, right? That's right. what happens when you lose a big title like that. And now everything's changed. And he cuts this just um, incredible, incredible promo. And if you're him, you're thinking, man, I left WWE. I came here. I was one of the first people you know, Jericho started and they had a couple other guys, but I was the first big real person that left that company to come to this company and to show this place, AEW, that I am here with them, that I believe in them. And I've been here week in, week out. I've done everything they've asked of me. One lost. I had my own issues. I just went and dealt with them. I've come back and I've been a better wrestler, better promo, like everything you need of me. And then all you do is keep making me lose this belt and to CM Punk 
You know what I mean? Like all demons. He went into rehab and came back. He, he came you know? back. He cleaned his whole life up. He's got a kid now. He, he seems way more focused and even better in ring than he was before. And and now this guy, I mean, he he went out there and he gave a great promo. But damn, I wonder what he's really feeling like. We heard what happened to Alistair Black, Malachi Black. Sure. Malachi yeah. Black is dealing with apparently is dealing with some personal issues because he was not really happy with what with how his character was treated and and the booking. And he thought he didn't really understand what happened. And that starts to deal with like, this is your work, your life, your focus, you know, and then it gets into your head and you, you you start dealing with it. You wonder it gets in your confidence. And these are the problems that people have always talked about with WWE forever. Wow. Bloated roster. Wow. How can WWE not do more with Alec, with Alistair black? How can they not do more with Andrade? How come WWE can't do more with Miro and these really talented guys. How come they can't do more with Pac? Right? I mean, is AEW done that that much with all of them? That's what's di- that's what's been difficult. Um, now, I, I do want to say as we talk a little bit more about uh, this episode of Dynamite and just sort of overall what happened, I want to give Tony a lot of credit for his response. He initially he's sitting there, <clears throat> your top star. This guy that you spent millions of dollars on that is the face of your company that you watch the ratings and the quarter hours and stuff. And he gets all the big pops and that hell like Fox, like CM Punk, like the networks, no punk. They know him. They know he he's a big draw and he starts talking and this and that. And you're overwhelmed. What are you going to do? You don't want to really embarrass your main your main star in front of everyone. So what did Tony do behind the scenes? He made the call that needed to be made. He said, hey, you know what? I can't wait around anymore. We can't play this interim game with this title again. We can't sit here for a few weeks and not address this and not. And that's what WWE would do sometimes. Hey, look, let's just wait for like two weeks and we won't even say anything about any of this and maybe stuff will blow over. He said, you know what? Punk, Omega, and the Bucks, you're all suspended right now while this gets investigated. And a third party's coming in to investigate this. And I'm going to sort of wash my hands of this right now while they look, while they investigate, and they tell me what happens. So I'm going to at least right now put on a pretty good show with some good wrestling and try to make people focus on that. I know that's not going to work, but I I think that was about as good of a response as he could have had based on what had happened. I don't know what more I could have done or I would have done than what he did last night. And let me tell you this, Gino. Um, I wasn't happy with who got put in the tournament. Of course, we're, we're never happy, even whatever WWE, you know, that oh, sure. we're going to nitpick, right? Always. But did you get the perception? I have been thinking about this for a while now, but doesn't it seem a little bit better of the show when there's wasn't the Bucks, there wasn't Omega, and there, there wasn't Punk? It yes, seemed it like there was more... Of a direction, it was focused. Have yes. them and have so many things going in so so many directions. And Kudos to that because I felt like this was a much cleaner show. And I'm not saying the reason why because they're not. But it's, hey, it's look, not. They weren't on there. They're at home. And you're you're right. We're not saying that there are better wrestlers or this or that. Absolutely but, not. But overall, the point is that when you don't have Punk. And the Young Bucks and Omega right there, there are three or four more acts that you you didn't feel forced to need to get a few minutes of TV time last night. 
so everything could breathe a little bit more. And it was like it's it's like eggshells too. Somebody brought that up on another podcast I was listening to a couple of weeks ago that it seems that a lot of workers have to and I hate to use the word suck up the term, but you walk around eggshells around certain people backstage because yep. you don't want to annoy them. But, you know, I, I didn't agree with some of the matches. I didn't think the main event, I, I still think. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about that. Okay. So okay. It, well, it's hard to even, it feels like all out was a year ago with with just with like everything that's but happened. We've got, we've got to come up with, Two new sets of champions. We've got to come up yep. with a world champion and a new trios champion that the Young Bucks and Omega just won on Sunday night. And so what they did was, you know what? We just had this big tournament for the trios stuff. Let's yeah, just can't do that again. Can't, can't do, do that. that again. Let's just have one match, right? I thought that was a, a good call too. Let's just have no a problem match with that. No for problem. that. The problem that I have on Dynamite is so, like you said, okay, we have two big titles in our company that are up for grabs. We're going to main event the show with the <laughs> Ring of Honor pure title. Which doesn't mean anything. Why? Okay. I have no problem with the match. None. Match was fine. Match was good. And um, I'm sure it'll get hometown, a good number. I'm Daniel sure it's going to get a good number. Right. You know, hometown? It, cool. People, people stuck around. They wanted to see this episode. Why not have that open or in the middle of the show? Middle. Yes. And or following then, one of those matches. Or I just, you're telling me that is more important than the matches to win the world title, a match between Brian Danielson and former world champion Hangman Page, or the trios title that you're going to be you're going to be crowning a new champion right now. Right. I mean, you just had a tournament to show us how important those titles are. Why not make them the main event? I the again, this has oh, wait, zero. Oh, wait, or, or end it with an MJF promo. You know, you're right. Zero to do with the match itself, the quality Zero. of those two guys in ring. I've actually enjoyed a lot of the Daniel Garcia storyline. I thought he's done pretty well with it. Hell, I think in the last couple months, they've done a really good job getting Yuta over more. Like he's had good matches with the top that guy's top on guys. TV every week. He's always on TV. So this just this this you make this the most important thing in your company show. Somebody said it yet last night, like. On one of the things, it would be like having an NXT like North American Championship for the main event of Raw when you've got other titles on the show too. I don't. I just and, don't. And at least, and at least NXT is on TV. There's and no has a TV show. show. Like ha, there's nothing. That's it, the it, problem it, I had. Also, with too, what, what's another weird thing is like the pure title has different rules. <laughs> right, like, you can't got punch. judges. It's don't like you yeah, judges? you can't. It's it's. So just just a thing that I thought was a little strange because you had a couple other matches on the show that were absolutely capable of main eventing or and even I a thought, and I did think this was an opportunity for AEW to show hey we can grow from a disaster you know bad press is good press but at the end of the day and I know that's true and I know they're going to get a million number because their show last week the previous week got a million and we didn't think it was very good but where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and that's definitely going to keep more free agents from going there. I'm not saying they're going to – they'll choose WWE or Impact or, or, or what MLW or what have you because everybody wants money. Um, I just thought this was an opportunity for them. And look, and it was. And I gave them – like I said just minutes ago, I gave them kudos for this show 
flowing much better because it didn't seem like that we had to cater to certain people so more people had time. Look, I had no problem with Tony Storm and Penelope Ford. None. That's what I want to see the women's champ do every week or cut a good promo. She needs to be in a match every week. No problem with that. But I thought AEW should have ended the show with one of those title matches, not an ROH or this MJF promo. I, I Again, I thought I, of all people, this chaos has hurt. I think this killed MJF's heat coming back. I agree, he good, man. He had a good promo. He cut it and he thought you thought he was going to turn babyface, right? And he said, nah, I'm not a baby. You guys know that. I hate all you people. I, I, I would have probably led that to the end where MJF, MJF speaks and build it up throughout the show, knocking on the door. He's not around, you know, whatever it is. And, and I, I think this, this, this kind of killed his momentum some. But, you know, like you said, he, he can come at any time and get that title. And I would hope and think that's what he would do because that's who I would put it on right now. I wouldn't go back to Moxley, Dan, uh, Brian Danielson, you know, because I think that's probably who's going to be in the finals. That'll draw a good number. Brian Danielson versus Mox on television. You know, their next pay-per-view is not till November. They can't wait that long. Yeah, sorry about that. As, as we were recording, CM Punk busted in the door. He had a steal with him. They threw a chair at me. There was some biting. They asked to, to, to get Chad Cooper's address. They wanted to come after you. I, I had to. Don't worry. I didn't give you up, buddy. So. <laughs> I'm glad you so, didn't die. So you. we're all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> woo. That was, that was an incident. That was an incident. Nonetheless, we're still talking about uh, AEW and what, what's been going down. Now, it, it's been a lot of drama. It's been a lot of insanity. Let me talk about a couple positive things coming out of the weekend. Now. Going into the pay-per-view, the tag team title match was a really bad buildup. There was nothing. Like, the Acclaimed was starting to get over a lot, but there was no build to the Acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory. That match was one of the show stealers of the night. It was right. fantastic. And coming out of that, the Acclaimed feels like huge stars. They're going to have a rematch. Scissor me, daddy ass is like the biggest <laughs> catchphrase in the world. <sighs> Easy wearing that T-shirt to the flea market on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, this is this was not really something that I saw coming out of this, but this no. was the best in-ring match I've seen from the acclaimed. They're over. I say it all the time. I think you put the you put it on them in a few weeks. And you know what? Swerve was getting a lot of heel heat here. There's kind of this fun thing going on with Swerve and Keith Lee where they're they're like Lex Luger and Sting. Where they're oh, kind of yeah. like, yeah. right, babyface heel uh, tag team. Yeah, and you, you look, you make a good point, and you want to see your that that's that, that's the thing. You want to see your champions every week. They don't have to be in ring, but they need to be in something meaningful because you just don't want, especially the tag team champions. Um, it just seems like. Whoever ha has been able to hold these AEW tag team titles hasn't been really been important unless it's the Bucks. Remember, Jurassic Express held them for a while. Uh, we didn't have them on TV much. You had to check them out on Rampage if they were on Rampage to see them. So this is what I look. This is this is all you can ask for at the moment. You know, put them in something meaningful. The match was fine. There's no problem. I would like to see the acclaimed win. 
you know, I'd, I'd like to see them with the titles there. I, th- I think they're probably one of the most over tag teams in AEW. Um, I, I just, it just seems like it's hard for me to buy into a champion when they're not utilized to, uh, to what they, they really can be. And I think that's really hurt swerving Keith Lee, but look, meaningful match, put them on, let them have a series or whatever it is. We don't want to see them go back to old WWE here and, and, and they're going to be singles against one of them. I have a feeling that may be coming or whatever, but uh, I would like to see the acclaim win these titles. I really am entertained by them. And the show, like when you talk about in-ring quality, the show was pretty solid, but overall, I think it was one of the lesser pay-per-views just in like looking at what stood oh, out. Oh, for, for sure, for sure. Because the casino ladder match didn't really have much of an ending because that's where you had the Joker come in and it was MJF and he just sort of left everybody laying. <clears throat> you had the Elite versus Hangman Page in the Dark Order, which was very good. But now think about that. They didn't even get a chance to build to that. And now those guys are suspended and not around. Like we could have made that a really big build to having all of them in the ring at the same time. And we didn't get the chance to do that. Jade, Athena. I mean, that meant when four minutes, Ugh. it was just quick. Um, you know, I did like coming out of the show. At least we got Wardlow seeming like some of the things that made Wardlow better on this episode. And he got, yeah, and he got a singles match too on Dynamite, right? Yep. Singles match, kind of a, the squash, little promo. I don't really like mentioning that people have been saying what's going on with Wardlow, like when you're the champ, you know, because like you are still the champ. You've got the belt, like you're you're doing okay in like on screen, right? In the world of the storyline. But <laughs> I do feel better about Wardlow right now than I did a few weeks ago. Would you put him in this tournament? Or would you put a Miro? What's going on with Miro? I, I'm just talking about this tournament yeah, right now. For some reason, just you talk about Wardlow. I wouldn't mind seeing him in this tournament. I'd put him in the in the finals and let him lose. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I just go back to that promo. I don't want the AEW World Championship right now. <laughs> I know that sticks in your crawl. But, but I can't. I can't ever get over that. It's like who doesn't <laughs> want that? I don't um, want to be the world champion. And now. What was a bummer for me is like two of the matches I was really looking forward to most on the pay-per-view, Hobbs Starks, that was just like a five-minute definitive win for Hobbs. That was piss poor. Piss poor. What they were doing there. I don't know if that was like part of a story more than the map, but that was a bummer. And and then we actually found out that Christian probably Christian has an injury. So they really couldn't do much of a match there. And the jungle boy gets beaten 20 seconds. And then he cuts a promo Wednesday night saying, oh, I'm still not finished with Christian. Well, I, I don't know. I, wait, look, this, I, I, I sent this graphic, this tournament graphic to you last night. Before I watched the show, I saw it on Twitter. And I said, this can't, this can't be real. Why wouldn't you utilize some more people and get a couple of extra weeks out of this tournament? Instead of just doing it, you know, I, Jungle Boy, Miro, Wardlow. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just thought they missed the opportunity to really, really, really grab you and grab your attention and bring some of these people back in. But they didn't do that. They, they went safe here. It felt very, honestly, it did. It felt Vince McMahon, WWE, oh, well, we can't go wrong with Drew and Roman Reigns or whatever it is, right? Again, I, I, just, I just thought they had the opportunity, and I was very, very freaking disappointed in the Hobbs Ricky Starks. That was the one match you and I thought of the of the entire card. There were three or four matches that really had the proper build. That was one of them. 
And it was, it, it got zero time because there were 15 matches. And did we see Ricky Starks Wednesday night on Dynamite? I don't, did we? No. I don't think so. Or And Tony Storm gets the win, which we thought, right? She sure. picked up a win. That, make, that makes the most sense. Well, and... I think this though. Uh, Hater was over in that match. Hater looked really good, and the match was pretty yeah. good. I will say the match was good. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. Nothing disappointing about it. And Hater was over, so that that's something that feels like they can lean into a little bit more. And it, we're we're gonna get another Jericho Brian Danielson match. Um, <laughs> Danielson or uh, Jericho sort of uh, spoiled it when he cut his promo. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he said next week when I face Danielson, and it was before Danielson and Hangman had even wrestled. So, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna get Hangman. Uh, Hangman's out. We get Danielson, Jericho, and uh, and then you have the other semifinal, or not that uh, it's a, Mox- yeah. Moxley's the in the other semifinal versus the winner of Darby, Sammy Guevara. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now I I understand how they were doing it from like okay, these are the champions and these are the people who have had the reigns and the longest, so they made it somewhat seem. Okay afterwards the only thing is is that like Sammy and Darby just haven't felt like guys that should be Battling for a world championship no, recently Absolutely not you know? So I can get what they were trying to do But they don't feel like guys that should be In this mix at the moment And yeah I mean About AEW is really a lot About the drama and just kind of what, what Moving forward I don't think Tony knew what was coming but I do Think in response he, Here's what can happen Chad He can make this into like a positive moving forward if, if if they just handle business and move along Like nothing and they operate and they put on good shows And the ratings don't skip a beat all that much And you don't really notice the, That Punk and the Bucks And Omega are missing that's the, that's the best thing he can do right now Is try to put on shows like last night Where maybe you're not throwing everything in You still have Jericho And Danielson and Moxley and you know Sammy and Dar like a lot of these top talents. Just give them a couple extra minutes. Let them breathe a little bit more. Your show will still be fine. Yeah, and, and that's 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 what that's what I wanted. And again, I, as I said, kudos uh, for them having a show that flowed. Uh, not going to beat a dead horse. There were parts that that should have went here and there, but for the most part, you got to give them an A for effort. For hey, look, we we know it's. You know, we, we know there's some problems and uh, we're, we're trying to move on and they do it. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how long they're suspended and what happens when they come back. I think Punk's going to be out for a while, so we won't see him probably uh, anytime soon, I wouldn't think. But the Young Bucks and Omega, uh, you know, how long is this suspension going to be? When they come back, do they automatically get a title shot and will the, the belts be handed right back over to them? That's the one thing, uh, that's the next big hurdle you're going to have is this trio's title. Um, and, and now with, 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 with the injury now, right? You think about the money you put in and he drew you some big houses. He sold a lot of merch. You've got a lot of, you got a lot in the last year out of punk, but is it worth it right. with what he's done to your locker room? With what now he's sort of done to you publicly and disrespectfully, is it is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, I think they have to worry about him because oftentimes you keep a guy so they don't sign with the other team, right? I don't think I, I see WWE and CM Punk's future. Do you? No, especially not now. 
Now Triple H, Triple H is Triple H cut a promo about ten years ago that told him this exactly what was going to happen. You know, Triple yeah. H, it was pretty funny. He says, "You just want change for you." You know, you just want things to be better for you. You don't really care about overall. He got this kind of funny promo, but I don't. Yeah, I, I never I say never, I, but I don't. I don't I, think I don't, so. Yeah, I don't see, and I, I don't, unless they are financially and you know, contracted this guy for a long period of time, and I don't know why you would be, but um, that was my question to you. Has this been worth it? I mean, they're. Again, I'm assuming they're going to get a one million rating for last night, um, but he did embarrass you. This is something that this was supposed to be Willie Walk in the Chocolate Factory, AEW type stuff. Everybody gets along; it's grand. This has been the total opposite, and I don't care how many millions are watching you this week. This each week, you you, you don't want your company to be to have employees like this. You just don't. I don't care what kind of publicity it gives you. You just don't. Mm. So. I don't see Punk coming back for a while. And again, I, I think the next hurdle is going to be when, when the Bucks and Omega come back, will the will they get an automatic you know, championship match, which they probably should. The titles were stripped from them, but do they win it? And if that's the case, that that's that's going to be pretty weak. But we'll see. So much going on. They're building to the Grand Slam show at Arthur Ashe Stadium in a few weeks where there will be a tag team championship match, where there will also be the new champion crowned so we'll continue to get you all set up for that in the coming weeks come off a couple really nice pay-per-views for wwe but i gotta say this is probably one of the times when wwe doesn't mind not being the talk of the town right like i don't think they're worried that a lot more people may be talking about aew over the last couple days with what's been going on because if aew because aew can't really take what's going on right now and use it for story right if if some people that may have tuned in last night because it's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff happened, what, there's going to be all this craziness on Dynamite. You saw a good show, but four minutes into the show, everything was sort of resolved, and then it was moved forward. And I thought, I thought it was smart too that Tony didn't go out and try to cut a promo in front of a live crowd. Right? Don't do oh, that. Yeah, no. He's not Vince McMahon. He's not Triple H. He's not someone who has a bunch of speaking experience. So cut. Make sure you can edit it. You can put exactly what you want. And then and then do it that way. Very good point. Very good point. Because that could have turned sour and quickly. Oh, I mean, you could get CM Punk chance immediately. You could get all these different chants. Yeah, it was uh it, it was a good decision there. I thought Tony made a lot of good decisions last night, as best that he could have on how to handle everything moving forward. Let's revisit Clash at the Castle and then what we've seen this week on uh on Monday Night Raw. Overall, I thought a really good show and the match that Maybe stands out to me over the entire weekend Was the Gunther versus Sheamus match Where these guys just beat the absolute crap out of each other uh, I, I don't know any other way to put it than spectacular You and I both said last week in the preview for this That this was going to be the match And uh, there were several good matches But this one, the crowd was hot And again, you think about it And I, I ask you this <clears throat> Over the weekend you know, after late Sunday night, I sent uh, sent you a message. Sheamus and CM Punk right around the same age, right? And it just looks like a tale of two different people. And, uh, man, you just, you forget how good some of these superstars are in the WWE, whether they haven't been in a good storyline or they've been injured 
Uh, they have not been in good graces with Vincent Kennedy. I, you just you just don't know. And then you get something like this. Seamus and Gunther just beat the hell out of each other in front of a. These people were going nuts for that. And, and, and that's a moment that both of these superstars will never forget. And um, damage control, I think, needed. They picked up a win, and that just helps set things up for them moving forward because now Bailey can get a shot against yes. Bianca. Dakota yeah. and EO are going to get a shot at the tag team championships, I think, next week on Raw. Next week. Yeah. Against Aaliyah and Raquel. So that all made sense. And they gave the women a lot of time. They went like they did. You know, almost 19 minutes. They did. And that's what I like about WWE. Uh, they're smart. Uh, they they know when something's good. And uh, this this has been good. The, again, the, the chance for Bailey, And she had to, you know, tell the crowd, shut up. It was just, look, when a crowd is hot, a match could be okay or average. And you think it's five-star. And from start to finish, the crowd was phenomenal. The way it, end, it started, the way it ended. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of growing, you know, Raquel and Aaliyah are kind of growing on me a little bit. There's it's a good like, dynamic, I it's think. It's like with Aaliyah's them. like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here or win, but I've got this mountain of a woman tag team partner who kicks everybody ass. So, hey, look, we're happy-go-lucky champions. And, hey, that's the thing that's hurt these WWE women's tag team champions from the beginning. Is they really haven't been booked properly? Hell, they have. A, some of them were left off TV for weeks. They had a match on TV. All was well. I, you know, we'll see if they they keep the titles. Um, it it kind of feels like that Dakota and EO are are probably going to win, but Ali and Raquel kind of growing on me a little bit. Yeah, I don't mind them either. Liv Morgan beat Shayna. This was a little better. It, you can kind of see that they wanted to to get. Sheena and Rhonda involved here. What I'm, what I'm, what I've read and I'm seeing is that there have been house shows where Rhonda and Sheena are teaming up. Really? For, um, and and maybe that you give them like a run as the tag team champions. Okay. I, I go- could I could get behind something like that, right? Like you, you've they've never really told a story with Sheena and with Rhonda, and instead of everyone just sort of assumed it would be against each other. Maybe they're like a badass tag team, like the Brothers of Destruction that just go out and crush everyone. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I like it. I you don't know, like it, it. it. Look, it, it keeps Ronda out of the ring for 10 minutes in championship matches. You know, I, that, that's, a, that's a hell of a program. That's a hell of a program. I, I, could, I could buy that all day. And coming out of, judge, uh, coming out of the clash, Judgment Day feels like an important thing again. They, they were nothing for a little while as soon as Edge went, got hurt. And now all of a sudden, I thought Edge comes out. He cuts a fantastic promo, talks all about Dominic. I know the family. I know this, but I'm going to kick your ass, you know, like he still <laughs> tells him. And then Rhea comes out and she says she made him a man. And I loved it. <laughs> everyone feels more important than they just they were just a few weeks ago. I think they've done a really good job with this. So I'm. I'm really excited about this stuff now. Yeah, I am too. And it, it just feels right now. Um, I, it, you know, I, we both commented on it a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, you know, when Rhea got injured and was away and, you know, it just, something was missing and she was missing. She, she's fantastic in ring and out of the ring. And what she did with Dominic on Monday night raw was, <laughs> it was real. it was really good. 
it was really good. You know, he comes out in all black, you know, his hair's kind of slicked back and she's making these innuendos, you know, I made him a man, a real man, you know, and Ray and Edge are out there and because Ray is like, please, please, you know, it's on me. It's not Dominic. And Edge is like, no, I'm going to kick his ass. And I, just fantastic stuff from all parties involved there. And Seth freaking Rollins beat Riddle in a, a banger oh, of a match. Oh, wow. Just really, really good. Like, really good stuff. And, I mean, it was a good show top to bottom. I actually, I feel bad for Drew McIntyre. I do. Oh. Because he didn't get his WrestleMania moment. And this but. was the moment for him. <laughs> And yes. at this crowd, he's never going to be a bigger baby face anywhere than he was that day in front of that crowd. And he was awesome. The match was great. There were at least two times where I thought he was going to win. Yes. Where I thought that was it. He's a winner. And Tyson Fury throws the punch on Theory, which was great. <laughs> I, like I loved all of the match until I didn't like the after stuff. No, when he I didn't. loses the singing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel bad because they wanted... That's that's what you can't, you know. You can't have uh, what do they say? Uh, you know, make the cake or bake the cake and eat it too, or whatever it is. You know, have you, cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah. Because you, if you want Drew to lose, he 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 has to be the loser at the end of the show, right? But they wanted to try to keep him strong and have him get the moment to celebrate in front of everyone. But it just felt really disingenuous after losing that match. What did you think about bringing Solo up now? Because now he's an official member of the SmackDown roster. I like inserting him. He was, this is something that we had been kind of discussing maybe for months about using him in one of these matches to help, to help Roman. So I like that. I thought it was creative and interesting. I do genuinely feel bad because now I wonder the, they must have either Cody plat out or someone else down the line, because right now, if it's not drew, I thought in the last three weeks to a month, they did a really good job of making it feel like, okay, this could be drew. And does anyone else on the roster really feel like they're at the level, even that they just made Drew? You know, this was this was the biggest question going into uh, uh, WWE's event on Saturday that, or yeah, on Saturday that you and I both had. Uh, we, we saw a low favored odd Roman ro- odds Roman Reigns, which we haven't seen that. And probably years, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever seen Roman Reigns as low as a minus 160 favorite. He's usually in the five, six, seven hundreds in most of these matches. Hell, even with Brock Lesnar, I think he was four or five hundred, maybe three hundred. If that, that's still pretty strong uh, for a favorite. So the kind of the signs were all indication that that Drew had a pretty good chance. We heard that Roman wanted to take a little time off. Um we're, we're, again, we're at a crossroad here with having one unified champion, one unified tag champion, and they really and, and Roman has not been on Raw much. Hell, was he on Monday Night Raw? No, they they during several commercials and promos, we were told you have to uh, check out SmackDown on Friday night to hear from Roman Reigns. So, I, you know, I'm with you. I, I I don't know what the plan is. I, I would have thought these titles would have been split by now. Evidently not. Evidently we're going with one champion and uh, you know, the ratings are still strong. It was Labor Day. You did have a college football game. It wasn't the best of college football games, but you know, that changes next week with the official start of Monday night football during the regular season. But 
I, I just think it's kind of weird to not see your champion hardly all on your flagship show. And again, he wasn't. And they don't. Well, here's the thing: they don't even mention it. No, like they don't hell, even Bobby mention Lashley, that he's the again. champion of that show. And, and look who closed the show: Bobby Lashley. And they, they don't. And like, and Rollins is the only one who talks about wanting the title. <laughs> That's it. On no that one show. else does. Like no they one else even addresses wanting it. Shouldn't Edge even? You know what I mean? Like these guys be like, "Hey, and where's Kevin the Owen, title?" It, it, in defense, Kevin Owens briefly mentioned it. That's a great he point. No, you're right. You're he right. He said, I, "I, you know, you, him and Theory, you little l- lucky punk." And maybe yeah. is it? Maybe it's him. Well, because maybe it is. what? What? And I don't know if it's him because what? What it feels like they're building is it feels like they're building him and Sammy to take the tight the tag team yes. titles from the Usos. Yes. Which yeah, I think if they do that, I think, I think we're going to see KO on Friday night. If they do that, that'll be fantastic because Kevin Owens talked about. The issues that he has with the Usos, they cost him the title. Yes, you know he brings them up all the time. Yeah, he brought up in that promo. Mm-hmm. And how it, if it wasn't for them, Roman Reigns' run would have been six months. He feels like someone, and I love with Kevin Owens. Um, somebody said this on a, on something I was listening to, and I couldn't. They're like, Kevin Owens is the only one that knows that he's on a TV show and like, he's, he's able to talk about the things that happen. Like he mentions like stuff now, like, you know, it's, he's like us watching and he gets to say like the, the things that we're thinking, which are fun. It's like, he gets to be the commentary, um, which I love. He, yeah, he feels like he might be someone that they're um, maybe getting ready for uh, a big run and man, him and Sammy and the Usos, that could be fun. And those two guys could be really big baby faces. Yeah, and you know, as good as a heel that Kevin Owens is and has been, you know, especially with the Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff for WrestleMania, it was just peak, peak phenomenal stuff, Kevin Owens. He just continues to outdo himself every week, man. His promo this week was got a massive pop and held the match with Austin Theory was just fantastic, dude. There's really, really good stuff, but Kevin Owens is a... You know, if him and Sammy go over the Usos and win those titles, you you talk about it's been a while since I remember a good face tag team champion other than, you know, the New Day. And the New Day had three, but just two guys being go it's been a long time since and, since it has been able to go over like and the, they could be they, do. they could be a main event tag team. One hundred percent. That could be one of those things that main events, Raws and SmackDowns all the time, where it's like those two guys against like, yeah, Sheamus and Drew or something. You know what I mean? Just like two top yeah. single yeah. stars that you throw together for some reason. Sometimes even I, I like that idea of those two guys um, coming together. Now, a couple other things from Raw. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I just couldn't really say anything because the control your narrative shows, you know, that ha- are backed by Braun or Adam, sure, uh, EC3, and I can't remember who the third one has been. But those Texas shows, they have a run coming up here in October. They've been canceled for a couple of weeks now. And was it, it was it Aries or Carrion Cross were the other ones in there, right? Yeah, I think. Aries, Aries and Carrion Cross and Cross signed. Then Aries was around. I think there was one more. A guy that used to be an ROH. I can't remember his name. But anyway, these shows got canceled a couple of weeks ago. And they weren't, they weren't because of low ticket sales because they were in small venues. So I thought, okay, okay, he's probably coming back. And I'll, I'll say this. Look, if you don't like what the guy says on his social media – his politics, 
whatever it is, the one thing you do have to give this guy credit is it looks like he is in phenomenal shape. He Incredible shape. On Monday night. You got to give him. Here's my only, here's what I don't like about this. I, I'm, I'm fine with Braun coming back. I think he's in, he's, you can always have a Braun Strowman on your roster, whether or not you personally like him or think he's very, very impressive. And he's a big dude and you can use him in a lot of different ways. I didn't like having him come out in the tag match. Yeah, that was now, kind of, it was odd. So I understand why they do it because in their mind, they're probably thinking, okay, we have a fatal four-way with tag teams. There's eight people out there that he can go and wreck and look super impressive. But then on the flip side, it makes a lot of your tag division look like crap. And it's not really building to anything. Hell, I would have rather have him ruin the main event. Like in the steel cage, you know, like do something and say, I'm coming after you, Bobby Lashley, you know, because at least that's sort of he rips the cage off or something, whatever it is. But I just didn't understand the the tag because I didn't like how it made some of your tag team division look. And I don't know that that was my only problem. I'm fine with him coming back. I just thought it could have been used in a different way. But they said he's going to be coming on SmackDown on Friday. Yeah. And I think I, we we know what's where he. I, I would think he would be the number one contender for the Universal Championship, without a doubt. I, I think you you bring this guy in and let him go head up with with Roman. Would he be the guy? What what's your thoughts? Is he the guy that upends Roman Reigns as what 400, 500 day reign as WWE champion? I don't know. It could be. I mean, I don't maybe, and I don't know. I still, in my head, I'm still thinking it's Cody. Okay. I'm still thinking it's Cody long-term, but he he and Roman had some really good matches and some good feuds. Like, they brought the best out of each other. They really did. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that was Monday Night Raw. We we <laughs> finished with, uh, with the Steel Cage match with Bobby Lashley versus Miz for the U.S. title. Champa was out there helping Miz. And then... Um, and then as Miz, Miz looks like he's about to win, he's about to climb over, and Dexter <laughs> Lumet, that visual of him popping out from the floor under the ring was fantastic. It see, was great. The crowd can't see that. Maybe the ones that are on that side behind the announcers. You're right, though. Only that's people the, could see it. No, you're so right. That, that's how great the camera work was. It was on top of the ceiling, pointing down. I mean, that, those things are hard to pour, pull off because they're timed and it's live. So kuda, we've seen WWE, you know, have their own issues with production like AEW has. We, we've seen it. It happens. It's happened at WrestleMania. It's happened on Raw. It's live. But that was a very, very good spot. It was fantastic. Really good. Uh, oh, and uh, we're going to get the debut of... Johnny Gargano next week he's going to be wrestling I don't think they've announced who he's going to be wrestling But probably just a, a showcase for him You know you let let people on See him on TV that may not have seen him Wrestle or maybe didn't know him from NXT Yeah yeah and it looks like him in theory it, That's the the obvious You know feud that we have um, I, I think we talked about It a couple of weeks ago there's There's not a December pay-per-view um, We've only got a couple of more here and Before we get so to what, the- What's next extreme rules Extreme Rules is next. Yeah, that's in October. So we probably get a gimmick Riddle Rollins match in that. I bet because it doesn't sure. doesn't feel like that's over. We'll get a gimmick there, and then we may get yeah. Just trying to think about what else is happening. Maybe something with the Judgment Day. 
And you got to have something. Yeah, you got to have something with carrying cross too. You know, where's, where's AJ right now? Is he hurt? You no, know, AJ was in a tag match. Remember last week with uh, he, yeah, but he just was night? he he just wasn't on Raw, was he? He just wasn't week. on Raw. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was Monday Night Raw. He was. And look, as you, you, I don't know what Braun Strowman's gonna say. I, I, I could see a triple threat maybe at Extreme Rules with Roman, Carrion, and Drew. Carrion's got to get involved. I, I think Gargano Theory is probably gonna be on that pay per view. Uh, don't you think maybe Dexter Loomis and The Miz are gonna have some kind of gimmick match? You know, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I, Bailey and Bianca is is something I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I just think that's good, and I and then again, I think Usos and, and Sammy and KO. Um, yeah. I hope we get judgment, a, another step forward on that. And look, and Judgment Day versus uh, Ray, Ray and, and Edge, Edge. is probably so. This pay per view could be sneaky good. We always well, talk about are it taking shape, yeah, right? Like yeah, things are. are just being built better now. We can all feel it. Everything's just being built up better. Sure, all all of it is so. Um, I thought a pretty solid episode of Monday Night Raw, and we get to NXT, where they came off of a really good show. And as we predicted, (laughs) if you don't think it was the best match of the weekend, it sure had some of the best spots of the weekend. Carmelo Hayes versus Ricochet. Man, I want to see these two guys go at it again. They were fantastic, and Ricochet showed up on NXT to beat Trick Williams, and it just... It feels like Ricochet has a little more of a bounce in his step right now, a little more confidence. I think he just sees a pathway for him to be more relevant now overall. Yeah, and, and him being back on NXT Tuesday night against Trick Williams, as you said, uh, again, another good match. This is a good spot for him. This is what they did with Finn Balor. Finn wasn't really happy uh, with what was going on on the main roster. Remember, he was on Raw. He got drafted to SmackDown or vice versa. And there, you know, he got involved with Roman Reigns for a week or two. We thought, hey, this could be really good. Really didn't shape up to anything, and uh, it, it's definitely worked out for him. So I, I like this move. I, this kid can go, and if he's going to give you those quality matches like he did on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, whenever you watched NXT's 2.0 pay per view, um. I, Fantastic! I I think we have to run it back with him and Carmelo. Hey, uh, Carmelo, it was so good. I think you have to run it back. I agree. They got to figure a way to do this again. Pretty deadly ends up uh, becoming the unified tag team champions, and they're going to they're trying to prove it. So they're going to have a match against uh, against Diamond Mine, and they've had this Diamond Mine story now, where it was actually Damon Kemp, not Roddy. That's who- interesting. I actually like this. It was a nice little twist. It was intriguing. And it just, yeah, I thought it was a good turn. So it, I'm fine with it. I'm 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 curious where they're gonna go with this moving forward. And we get uh pretty deadly and the Creed brothers next week, right? For the tag team championship. Yeah. I think the rematch. So what are your probably, thoughts? Probably some shenanigans, <clears throat> I'd imagine. Because I think these Creed brothers are not too far away, man. I that, that's yeah, if they don't win the title here. Uh, I think they're going to come up soon. I think they'll be up soon. Yeah. I, I think they would be a good act with Roddy, even. Like, the yes, three of them absolutely. can come up, you know? Absolutely. They, I could immediately see them, like, right off the bat. They they come on Monday Night Raw. They come out, and they get interrupted by, Shoot! 
I like how Bailey and the first feud is Gable and Otis against these guys. Yeah, Bailey snuck that in in her promo Monday night to the crowd. She did. Shush, please. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it's uh, and that gives uh, you know another natural tag team in the WWE tag team division where you're not just putting two guys together and hopefully you know like a Dolph Ziggler or an AJ. I'm not saying. And they wouldn't be any good, but you know what I'm saying? It's another natural tag team because they're really, really good. They're really, really over. Um, I, I just think, you know, you put them on the, you know, blue or, or red brand, it's not going to matter. But you know, some people have to be coming up because look how many vignettes we got on Tuesday nights. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 three or four we've got, hey, coming soon. Um, we got another one this past week and a new one. Uh, Several females are, are going to be making their debut on NXT. So I, I think you're going to see several call-ups here pretty soon over the next couple of weeks leading up to uh, the Royal Rumble. I think you'll see a lot of these guys and girls on the main roster. Hold on. I got to – I wrote this down, and I got to find it in my notes. I, it was pretty funny. Okay, so we got Quincy Elliott on the moped, <laughs> on the bedazzled-out moped. And yeah. he says – Nothing is cuter than a boy in his scooter. That <laughs> made me just laugh. I was popping I pop. for that. Me yeah, too, because it's, it's different, man. I'm, I it will is. say, I know people feel differently. I am someone who, ever, like, I love gambling because in gambling, you win or you lose, but it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what you look like, if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're ugly, if you're not. Like, it's just... You win. If you're good, you win. If you're not, you don't. Like I love I and you and me talk for hours about wrestling every week. I do the same thing with Marvel, with Star Wars, with all these different things. I just whoever you are, whatever you like, whatever you're into, I like to each their own, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah, like absolutely. I never I don't I try not to hate. And so I like a character like this because Dude, dude, this let me is tell the real you. world. Look, you know? Uh, Going back to old school stuff, this this dates me. And look, I'm 48. I, you know, I look 25. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I'm a good looking dude, right? Oh, I'm yeah. gonna cut that. I'm gonna cut that promo. But look, going back to early indie stuff, exotic Adrian Street. Um, I, I he had that gimmick, and he had this valet, and he was very feminine. But he would beat the mess out. He'd put you in a camel clutch, and then there was. The exotic, uh, uh, there was Adrian Street, um, there was flamboyant Eric Embry. There was just so many of these characters that I really dug. And look, man, love it. There's been one, there's been one, um, um, uh, Pimpy, Pimpinella, Ascot. There's been one in Mexico. That's an all time great. Like for years, that was on um, Underground, you know, like Triple A. Oh, yeah. Pimpinella's been around forever. forever. Because you know why? They're real. In the real world, absolutely. You walk down the street, you see all different people of all different shapes and sizes and looks. So for everyone to come out looking the same way, it would be inauthentic. Now I understand that this is athleticism, right? So, sure. well, ho- you hopefully to, he can go. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to still be able to go. But like, for example, Kevin Owens can go. Sure. He doesn't look like what everybody else looks like. You know, he, there's all different types of. Piper Niven can go. Sure. You know, you don't have to have a template 
uh, even a guy like Johnny Gargano, he doesn't look, Johnny Gargano walks down the street, he just looks like a regular guy. Yeah. He's not big look, or anything. Look you at don't Rey even, Mysterio, he's about as small as you can get. You, you know? don't even double take those guys, but they bring something unique and they can go, and yeah. I'm excited to see this. And I, I, I really think it's just, it's cool. Um, Tyler Bate, uh, Tyler Bate came out and uh, they had a fun tag team match with Tyler Bate and Braun Breaker against uh, Gallus. So they sort of set that up at the beginning of the show, and that ended up being the main event there. It was good. It was really good. And I'll tell you this, and I, I told you this over the weekend, um, that was the best Braun Breaker had looked since since being on television. I agree. And it was a he, good solid follow up to put him in a tag match. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to have a number one challenger right away. That's something that you do to protect your champion. And again, it's a smart kudos for doing it. Now the guy has had back-to-back really good, strong matches, man. I like that. Toxic Attraction uh, had a match against Dewdrop and Nikki. So Dewdrop and Nikki actually picked up the win here. They've been sort of doing some weird stuff with them, though, because on on the yeah. main roster, they're kind of, they're they're kind of fighting. Yeah, yeah. They're teasing the, the breakup there. But they do pick up the win here, and um, I'm curious to see if we – have any more of that on SmackDown? Maybe we can just get Piper back to Piper, right? Yeah, that's what everybody wants. You know, the it, Dewdrop name never—I I don't know what the hell went on. That, maybe it's Vince. Maybe we can blame him. We can blame it all on him now. But yeah, sure. I sure would like to see her name change back to what we're more familiar with. And I, I do like this. You know, she came up with who uh, was it? Mandy Rose. She came up with no. Yes. Who would, well, oh, no, no, Mandy. Eve, Eva, Eva. Eva, that's right. It just never it, it never worked out. And she was kind of this dorky kind of bloop, 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 bloop. She needs to be a badass. She needs to be a badass. And I like that they're allowing her to be that. Hell, she had a busted nose on Tuesday night during the match. That's what you want to see with Dewdrop, aka Piper. I, I don't want to see this little goofy character, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's a machine. She's good at what she does. Let her be that that machine inside the ring. So I like that they went over Toxic Contraction. Toxic Contraction lost, lost their titles. They don't need to win matches right now. Good win here. I just, l- let's stick to one thing. Are, are we going to break them up because they've been teasing a Nikki going back to getting out of the superhero gimmick? Don't do something on one show and then come down and do something on the other. That's the one thing I want them to stay away from. I agree, because they've been doing a good job of keeping it now. Like, now you sort of feel like NXT is below the main roster, but it's they're mentioning NXT. Oh, my God. How good was Michael Cole this weekend at Clash of the Castle with, like, the the information he was getting when you can tell there's not someone in his ear, you know? Telling oh, yeah. them what to say every moment, talking about their histories and the titles they've won in other places, and I thought he was great. <laughs> I still don't know what the hell is going on with this Apollo Cruz stuff. It's like a that's so Raven <laughs> thing. Like he can see into the future, kind of. <laughs> He's got the red eye going on. Um, I don't. I don't know if I hate it. I just don't really know what it is. I don't know uh, what to think. I, I want him to pick up some wins, though. He needs to get a win here of a great small Look, support. we talk about Ricochet. Dude, of all the people that need some wins here or need something is Apollo Crews because we're getting to the point where he may be in trouble. I know, because he's not he even feeling important trouble. on NXT anymore. No, and that's not good. And that is not good. No, we, he needs to pick up a dub here. Uh, J.D. McDonough versus Wes Lee. I don't mind having both of these guys on for a match if you don't really no, have much no for there. them. No problem. You know, give, give them 10 minutes. JD McDonough picks up the win and um, looks like they're building to Tony D <laughs> and 
and uh, Grimes, he's back there with his scones and he's eating his pastries, just sitting in the back while everyone. I kind of think it's funny when he's back there and he just is commenting on everything happening. He's talking yeah. about the diamond mine, you know. Yeah, Tony, Tony D goes, hey, look here, it's CG. What's up, CG? You yeah. Got a little proposal there, CG. <laughs> and uh, I will, Grimes, I like this a little better than the. The loser, like the man, oh. I'm a loser. You know, he's he's a little more fired up here. Yeah, it, it's just hard to be that loser character as for a baby a face yes. for a long time and have people get excited for you. Yeah, like I think him a, and Tony D could have some good matches. Me too. I, I like where they're going here. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. And then we got a good women's match. Uh, Miko Satamura versus Roxanne Perez. This was great. Really good. Roxanne. Really good. Really good. This and I like the way it ended. Helps her. You have Miko still win because she's the vet, and this feels like someone that they're going to have around for a while and maybe uh, be an important part of the division. And she's someone that hell could come up on the main roster and have some fun matches with some of the gals on the main roster. I thought this was very good for both of them, for people to get a chance to see Setamura a little bit, and for Roxanne, it builds. And maybe in a month or two, Roxanne can can get a win over her, and that'll help kind of shoot Roxanne up towards the title. Yeah, I, 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 we we still have some stuff between Roxanne and, and they got Corey. some work to do with them too. They're, I think they're both <laughs> just not quite ready, right? They're, they're not. And, and you and I were all on the Cora Jade bandwagon. That put the rocket on her. Let's. See. Well, there's a reason why the rocket wasn't put on her. Um, she, they're both young and they're both very very talented, and we know they're going to be, uh, have a, a long career. God forbidding any nasty injuries. Um, forthcoming, but I, I like the way they're kind of drawing this out. I don't need to see them have a match and it just be, I want to see Roxanne have some matches. Core J gets involved. I want to see Cora Jade have some matches. Roxanne get involved. And so they have time to work on this storyline a little bit. They're in ring stuff. So when they do have that big match, it's really good and, and easy to follow. We then, uh, what else did we have? Oh, we, we talked about the Diamond Mine already a little bit and uh, went, went on with them in, day, uh, in Kemp. Ricochet gets the win over Trick Williams. And I love how through a lot of the match, Ricochet is like staring a hole yes. at Carmelo. Carmelo. While, yeah. while he's doing stuff. Oh, it was great. We're going to have a fun best of three between Frazier and Axiom. These two guys good are good, good in the ring. I mean, they don't, good match. Yeah. They don't have much, so... They don't have like anything really going for either one. So hey, let's have these two guys wrestle a couple times on TV. I'd I'd imagine that Frazier probably comes back and wins the next two. Oh, yeah. I'd I'd, I'd yeah. say and uh, yeah, he I'm picks saying. up the win. Um, Axiom gets the uh, the victory. The, lots of fun, high flying stuff here. Really cool, like lucha style. Even we then got oh then we got the super diva Quincy, and then we finished up. With Braun and uh, and Tyler Bate versus Gallus as the main event, there wasn't any one particular thing that felt like, oh my gosh, this is so newsworthy. But every a lot of little things are getting built up well now, I, and it just feels like the same things happening on the main roster as it is in NXT. We're getting these like everything feels a little bit more important. All of the matches they have, they all have storylines. It doesn't feel like stuff is as much thrown together, which is what you and me like. And it's sort of some of the times the gripe that we have with AEW that we want a little more build and story into our matches because, to me, they make the matches seem better. Yeah, and look, that's that's something that that NXT has uh, has been able to do here 
you don't have to have banger after banger after banger shows. A lot after of these banger shows, after banger after banger <laughs> after banger. Yeah, Wade Barrett loves to say the banger. He does. Uh, who, by the way, I, I'll give a shout out to you because unfortunately, those who do like Pat McAfee, I know there's a couple of people that you and I know that does not like Pat, but I do. Uh, he, I love him. he will he will be away from SmackDown. He he's such he's a bummer. Going, so he's going with the ESPN College Game Day. Is that correct? Yeah, which is, I mean, how cool for him when you're a guy that has the opportunity now to oh, just sure, sure. do all of these different things. He's been a wrestling announcer now. He gets to be a pro football announcer. He gets to do Manning cast and, like, do uh, alternate audio on some of them. And now he gets to be part of college football game day. So I think during the football season, he'll probably be away. And I'd imagine, I had said to you, I could absolutely see him maybe in the Rumble as a surprise yep. entrant. Yeah. And have some like set up a story with someone rumble time. And then he's back on TV leading up to WrestleMania and maybe, you know, moving forward. And maybe this is something that he, he does. Wouldn't it be great if we could get Wade Barrett to come up to SmackDown? I think yeah, he's a that, great that was, announcer. That was my next question. Do you take one of the three off of raw and put with Michael Cole? Because you just can't put anybody with Mac, Michael Cole and just be, I, we, we've seen it happen. We we've seen it just, we've seen, Guys come and go. I, I would love to see Wade Barrett I on Friday think, night. I think Monday's sort of got a good trio because Jimmy Jimmy has the voice and sort of the sports feel, but but Jimmy isn't a wrestling guy. So no, Corey no. kind of helps host, you know, Corey sort of helps be the play-by-play guy on Monday also. Because right. he can do that. You know, he Corey is really good. I, I know a lot of people like have through the some of the years have had some gripes on him and sometimes he can get annoying when he does the Carmella stuff and too much but right. like right now when when you can tell that he's trying to help Jimmy and he's able to like he cuz he knows music and movies and pop culture like he really does have references that a Jesse the Body or yeah, a Bobby Keenan today that could be yeah paralleled with absolutely would make you know and the thing is with those guys is that part of the the character they played is that some of the times they're going to be annoying. And some of the things they're going to do, like some of their bits and their gimmicks aren't going to hit. Right. You, nobody's perfect. Nobody swings and, and hits on everything. So when, <laughs> when they do do stupid stuff or when they like try to get like when the stuff with Dana Brooke, you know, with him or like a few oh, months yeah. ago, like that yeah. was just was stupid crazy. and uncalled yeah. for. But you can understand why, because as a heel, they have to kind of dig their feet. You know, they have to dig their feet in sometimes. But when he, when he wants to, and when you can tell that, like him and Michael Cole are motivated, he is really, really good. I think he's. You keep him there on Monday with him and Byron are kind of fun because I like how he just rips Byron a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. kinda, and then bring up Wade Barrett. I feel like Wade would be great with Michael. I just feel like I it would be too. good. I do too. He's done. He's a familiar face, you know. He's done well in NXT. I just hope they give him the opportunity before they, you know, bring someone else in from the outside. Because look, it's not easy with Michael Cole. We've seen it on Raw. You know, we we've seen it many times. They brought people in, and him and McAfee were so good, and he was so so highly. He he gave so much so much praise to to McAfee over the last year or two. Saying, "Hey, man, I was down. I was thinking about leaving and going to do other things, and you you gave me a second life in in announcing WWE matches. So it, this is this is going to be a this is going to be a big call for WWE to make. And I do, 
I, I, okay, I was on the pre-show. I was gonna say I'm not sure if you saw that on the pre-show for the Worlds Collide. Uh huh. No, no, it was the pre-show for Clash at the Castle. Actually, um, they had Wade Barrett on because you know they do the pre-shows from the studio here in Stanford gotcha. when they have them in like uh, overseas or when they're really far away, Crown Jewel and shows like that. So they had Wade Barrett on for just a couple minutes to talk about what the scenery would be like for Clash at the Castle and and what to expect and what the crowds are going to be like. He was so good. It was just like five minutes. And he was just setting everything up. He said, you know, there's, there's all these different countries, but everyone's sort of the same. He said, Seamus is going to be over. It's going to be Seamus. It's going to be Drew. They're going to be the big baby faces there. And then he told us about matches that he's had with Seamus. And uh, and then he talked about stuff with Rey Mysterio. I mean, he was he was just really insightful. He was He's very – he's just a smart dude. When he talks, you can hear he's really well-spoken. He was someone who – they put the rocket on him right away, and then he never – he, he never could quite get back there. I mean, he was in main event matches for the title with Randy Orton and John Cena instantly. Right yeah, when he, he was came the leader in. of Nexus, right? He was yeah, the right, right when he came in. He's in singles feuds with Orton, singles feuds with Cena, one-on-one matches, main event stuff. But he never was able to get really back to the, the title picture. He was in the IC title picture for a long time. And he won it, I think, five or six, a bunch of times. But he was someone who I always thought had all of... A lot of what it would take to be a main eventer, and I would love his voice to be on the uh, on the commentary team. I agree. I, I, I look. I, I like the guy in the ring. He's done amazingly amazing outside, especially here over the last couple of months uh, when there were three. When uh, uh, Beth Phoenix was there, I, I, I thought he even did a better job. And it's hard. It's hard. Heck, it's hard enough with two people. Imagine having a, a third mic there. Um, yeah, I, I think he would be the logical choice. I hope it's him. I hope it's him. Koopa Loop football starts this week, my friend. NFL. <laughs> we are talking on Thursday afternoon. We have a game tonight, week one of NFL. We had college football start last week. You gave out a couple plays. We talked a couple football games last week. My man, is there anything that uh, that's on your mind for this week? Yeah, I like to, and I because I hate Texas, the University of Texas Longhorns. I, I'm here in the heart of Texas, and I just hate them. Um, I, I, there's two bets in that game that I like. I you know, I like Alabama and the points, uh, given the points. Another one is intriguing to me is if this defense is, is this good as what Saban and others are saying, the team total for Texas is like 20, 21 and a half. And I don't care if you're playing in Austin or not. With a guy with a name like a quarterback, and I'm sorry, I'm cutting a promo here. I shouldn't be doing that. But guess what? I'm going to do it. Quinn at your I mean, come on! You you can't you can't beat an Alabama team with with a quarterback by the name of Quinn Ewer. No. So there was th- this is like the guy a couple years ago, the kicker for Kentucky. His name was Chance Poor. <laughs> I was sitting there one day, and it's Kentucky's down by one, and I've got Kentucky on the money line is like a big God. underdog. And and I'm like, oh, and they, they're driving and they get to the point where it's like, oh, this is a, a pretty easy field goal. It's probably like 30, 35 yards. And and then there's like two seconds left. And all of a sudden, the guy comes trotting out on the field. God. And I'm looking up at his name and it says Chance Poor. <laughs> I said, there's no, there's no freaking way this guy can hit this kick right now. There is ab- there's absolutely no way that Chance Poor is going to win this thing for me. But he did. Chance Poor. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, 
I like I love names like that where you're like, no way. Yeah, look, and this dude got look, this dude got his Porsche, you know, towed because he didn't have the right. Yeah, that I'm not this is this is not a promo. This is factual stuff. Last Saturday night after they beat a hapless Louisiana Monroe team who needs to be probably in the FCS, they they beat the crap out of them. His Porsche got towed because he didn't have the right parking pass on his car. And this quarterback is going to – three touchdowns. You're going to score three times against Alabama. I, I think this is the showcase game and let for me Alabama. Just say, I, yeah. I played last week. I played uh, Utah State. They were plus 42 sure. against Alabama. And I Utah State last year – was 11 and 3. They beat two ranked teams. They beat three teams that were in the Pac 12. They were a good football team. They had a sixth year senior quarterback who had a lot of experience. And Utah State beat UConn in week one. They scored 31 points. They already had experience. They're not a bad team. The Pro Football Focus ranks all of the teams in college football. They had a Utah State ranked like 51, which would be right in the middle of all the major conferences. So if you took all the Power 5 conferences and ranked all of their teams, Utah State would have been right in the middle. Not bad, not great, but middle. Alabama absolutely mopped the... I mean, Chad, it was bad. I was watching the game because I was like, all Utah State has to do is keep this within six touchdowns. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's, and, that's, and I'm playing it in my head, like, six touchdowns, they've got a bunch of experience, they could do nothing. Absolutely and that's nothing. with Alabama knowing they've got a trip to Austin. A big game the week after. Right. And, I, and they I, just I think... look dominant. So, so if you don't like the big point spread, the thing I looked at is, is Texas good enough to score three touchdowns? And that and that's it's it's right around 20, 20 half. It may be 21 and a half. I don't know. I would take it up to that. I don't think Texas scores. Now, there is always that possibility that it's, you know, it, it's 45 to 13 and somebody gets a fluke, fumble, Gar- some or, garbage stuff. Or right. or, but I, I just think Alabama is dominant for that. And in and, and, and two other quick games to note that, that I thought, I, I thought there was some pretty good endings on some games. The North Carolina App State game was absolutely phenomenal to watch. And I think UNC now is going on the road. They're playing a Georgia State, uh, Georgia State or Georgia Southern team, whoever, I don't care who it is, who hung tough with South Carolina. But look, South Carolina is not a good SEC team. They, they just haven't been. And North Carolina is only given seven on the road. I, I think this is one of those games where they're – People are going to react too much and say, oh, I think North Carolina covers that. And another game I like is I don't care that Wake Forest is getting their quarterback back. Hey, Vancouver or Vancouver, uh, Vanderbilt showed me in in two weeks ago when they played the 10 o'clock game at Hawaii and just beat the brakes off Hawaii. Now, we know this is not a Hawaii of old, right? But Vanderbilt hasn't beaten the brakes off of anyone. Vanderbilt's at home now. They get uh, Wake Forest to come in, and Wake Forest, is, whose quarterback got dinged up last week, he, he's, he's going to start this week. And now the spread, it went from eight to 13. 
I'm riding with Vanderbilt here, man. I like Vanderbilt. I, I like points at home. I, I think it's it, it's a it's a statement game from them. I, I just think the slate is is really really fun, man. You, you've got some good games. Uh, you know, Houston and their game with San Antonio was was a fantastic finish. Now Houston's going on the road to play Texas Tech, and they're getting three fun. and a half That's points. A tight game, right? Yeah, you're, you're getting three and a half points. And Texas Tech's quarterback is not starting this week. So there's there's a lot of fun stuff. What about uh, this is for the first time ever, Gino? I don't recall how many fifty or more points a team has given anybody, but Michigan has given right now fifty one and a half at home to Hawaii. <laughs> I would I wouldn't touch that game with a ten foot pole. I probably will because I'll probably be hurting from earlier in the afternoon. Um, but man, it, it, it's fun to see football back. It really is. You've got a good game tonight, and then Sunday night. I mean, Cleveland at Carolina. Come on, who booked that? Who booked who, that? And, and you know what? Who in, booked that? And in, in the weeks leading up, I, like if you're Stefanski, a coach, the coach for Cleveland, mm-hmm. like, don't say like just don't say anything. He made a comment the other day because Baker, you know, they asked Baker, and Baker said, "Yeah, I mean, I can pretend like this is just going to be any other game, but it's not. I, I, I I'm, I'm really pumped. I want to go out there and beat the crap out of them. You know." He said, I feel like I know I know the system and I know I have knowledge of a lot of the personnel and a lot of the players that will help us. And then Stefanski said, oh, I mean, I don't think what Baker said is right. Like uh, <laughs> him knowing him knowing our system is not that big or is not that big of a deal. It's just why would you even say that? One, because yeah. Yeah. you're full of shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are. Of course it does. You're telling yeah. me that if Baker Mayfield. And another quarterback that were the exact same talent level were playing against you, and Baker knew a few things that the other one didn't. It wouldn't give him an advantage. Absolutely, of absolutely. Course it would. And look, and look, I, you know football is back when last week or that last weekend. There's some monster numbers on on these television rating games, especially the LSU game, which I was in uh, Louisiana watching that with the Louisiana faithful. You talk about another crazy game, Florida state LSU. And you didn't want the points and you didn't need the points. And I didn't need the points, right? No. You know, I I just think that college football is, uh, I know, I know NFL's the the King daddy, but just something about college football, even the bad FBS games I can get involved in. It's again, you've got a good slate here. Week number two, You've got NFL opening up. You've got the last, what, three weeks of Major League Baseball. Uh, Here soon, you're going to have the NBA players reporting, hell, your Lakers just keep loading up. Uh, I I don't know how many more Harlem Globetrotters they need out there in Los Angeles to win a damn title. So maybe Westbrook goes rogue again. I don't know. But you're going to have NBA, Major League Baseball playoffs at that time, NFL college football on. And uh, in the World Series, because baseball started late this year. So the World Series starts like October 25th ish is around then. So there's going to be a time period where you have basketball and college basketball just started college football and the NFL. You have baseball going on. You have hockey that's just going to be starting. And you're one week away from the Breeders' Cup. That's Um, what I say. Yeah, the Breeders' Cup. So it it is uh, if you're a junkie like I am, there's only one podcast to listen to. And that's yours, man. Seriously, I, I. I have been, okay, I'm betting this horse or I'm betting this team. And then you and some of your guests throw some different things that I would have never not known to look at on a form or didn't know that the rail was playing this way or didn't know this horse was bred to go seven and a half and instead of a sprint. I, I, I It's just uh, there's not enough hours in the day that I, I can play you guys. It's uh, 
again, it's uh, you cover so much. I don't know how you do it, but uh, it, it's definitely a wealth of information that you get absolutely free. That's that's the best part. I do it with uh, the help from a lot of very smart and kind people like you, my good friend, who is here with us each and every week on That's What G Said. We have so much to talk about in the world of wrestling, and now we'll always talk a little football at the end and dish out a couple plays as well. Koopaloo, buddy, thank you, my friend. And, uh, man, so much happened in a week. I, I'd imagine this next week will be a little quieter. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. Oh, my friend, thank you so much. Give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out all the great work he does. He's a fantastic photographer, too, and covers sports. Thank you, buddy. You have a great weekend. You got it, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to discuss on this episode. Big thanks to Chad for helping us out with the crazy drama-filled wrestling week. And thank you to Eric. He'll be along for the ride with all of these football games all year long. Hopefully we were able to help lead you to a couple winners with some Friday and some Saturday and some Sunday racing. Things will start to change a little bit coming up. A few more weeks of Louisiana. Some of the summer racing meets will change. When Santa Anita starts up in a few weeks, we'll have a lot of Santa Anita. I'll be covering that every single day and doing some work with them. And uh, so, yeah, that's where we'll be headed and lots of football every single week here coming up. Wrestling will still continue on. We'll have our uh, She-Hulk recaps early in the week with Tim Kelly and we'll also have recaps of Andor when that comes up in just a few weeks so things will change a little as far as some of the the tracks and some of the races and some of the sports but the schedule will still be pretty consistent thank you so much for hanging out with us here good luck all weekend long hope everyone has a really fun NFL week one